This is Blake 7 in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by 5 to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters, and occasionally the not-so-one-offs. Who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything else that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, for this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the story first. Hello and welcome to a momentous episode as we're going to take a look at our first crew member of the show. As ever with me strapped into his prison ship chair is Ian Marchant. Hello Ian. Hello Eric. Here we go. Olag yes. Gan. Olag. Olag. Viking isn't it? That a little bit Viking sounded. He is Viking y. Yeah. Um, yeah all he Viking-y. needed was the yeah Viking y. All he needed was the sheepskin jerkin. Yeah. He does look like he's eating a bit of spam as well, doesn't he? I can see him eating a, some sort of like leg of mutton or something yeah. when he's in his uh, um, little room, don't you? What What do you think of when you think of Gan? What do you think of? I think, I think of sweaty man. <laughs> I think of I think of sweaty man. I I think of um, Robin Hood because he's almost like a a friar tuck yes. crossed with yeah. uh, little John type. You know, yeah, the... he's not. He could have descended into the comic relief, couldn't he? And he didn't, which was good. Could is I that a writer's yeah. thing? Do you think? Is that a I writer's see, thing, yeah. or is it? Yeah, you know, David Jackson saying, "Nope, I'm not doing that." Uh, I don't know. I like to think it's David Jackson saying, "Nope, not doing that." Or it could have been Michael Keaton saying, "No, no, that's my jokes, my yeah, way." That's my, my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it could be. Did I, have to, I? I think I told you ages ago. I might have told you that I, I vividly remember having a dream about Gan when I was a kid. No. Yeah, that uh, that I was on the Liberator, but the only other crew member was Gan. It was such okay. a weird dream, but it stuck with me. I just yeah. So he must have scared me even at that point. What happened in this dream? Dare I, can't, I ask. I, I can't remember details, but it was it was one of those really weird dreams, and I was just wandering about the Liberator. Um, couldn't find anyone, but only Gan following me about. That's that, worrying, isn't it? That that's is probably worrying. psychologists could make a... <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. yes. Oh, dear. All right. Well, so, yeah, Oleg Gan, he's going to be our first of our, um, you know, yeah. as I say, proper well, crew he, members. He's the first crew member that uh, bites the big one as well, isn't he? So. He's that as well. And also, you know, um, Travis Mark One was our first of our main characters, but yes. this is our first mm-hmm. crew member. So we're getting into a bit of a stride now. So I've had a bit of a think about it and think about how we're going to uh, do things as we go forward. Yeah. You know, um, discussing all the others. That... I have got a plan. I've mm. been coming up with plans. I've got a number of plans. All right. So I thought um, we'll break it down into into little, you know, uh, subsections. All right. Yeah. So the first subsection is first scene. All right. All right. Okay. Right. So first scene with Olag um, is when he's sat in his chair on the London yeah. um, in Spaceful. I looked and looked and looked on the way back. He's not there, is he? He's not in the no, Cygnus Al- no. Al- Al- Alpha in the background. There's in, um, in Maximum Power, the book, there's some lovely um, just totally made up things about how you can spot Avon and Gan and that in the way back in the background which are uh, part of their made-up stuff that I particularly like. Um, but no, he's not in it. It was totally different filmed. 
no filming day and he, they wouldn't have paid him just to sit in the background no i mean the first time we do see him the camera is panning i think it's right to left and you've got blake in the background yeah. by the the yeah, 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 by the window there and yeah gan comes into shot he's actually in the foreground foreground but the uh the camera is on blake so all the focus is on blake so you don't really notice gan to begin with but he is there that's the first time we see him yeah, because uh, you, you're never quite sure which of the prisoners is going to end up being a major character. You sort of think Gan is, because you get some nice scenes with the uh, the thick guard and, mm. you know, doing stuff with Villa. But then in Cygnus Alpha, you've also got people like Arco that get some really good scenes, and you think, hey, yeah, this is... This Even is Nova, yeah. when you see yeah, Nova, Nova he, yeah. he's standing with Blake and Villa, yeah. you know, and he's listening to it all, and you think, oh, he's going to be a crew member. We find out later in the story that, uh, no, he doesn't no, he last doesn't. that long. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the first time we actually see him. He's just sat there in his chair, strapped in. Yeah. And uh, the next time, um, he's with Villa. This is some time later, isn't it? Blake's already... Yes. Um, formalising his uh, way of taking over the ship. It never gives you any idea how much further into the journey this thing is about to happen. But... Well, they, they say, originally they say it's eight months, don't they, to yeah. Cygnus Alpha. And then they say, after the, they, they encountered Liberator, don't they say it's something like another four months? It's four months. So, yeah. so, so yeah. we're halfway through. So that the jump between that first scene of Gan and his second scene is four months. It's four months, but same they're clothes. still wearing the same clothes. Smelly, smelly. Yep. Same hair length. Yeah. No stubble or anything like this. It's one of those things yeah. you shouldn't really think about too much. No, no. You, know? this, you get this in a lot of um, Termination scripts, don't you, where don't look at the details too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just turn your brain off. Yeah, just turn your brain off. Enjoy yeah, and go for the, the ride. Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yes, the next time he's with Villa, okay, um, yes. playing with a box because, of course, he's like the shield, isn't he? He's hiding yeah. the hatch that Blake's gone behind because Blake's on his way, you know, to you, try and get his way to the computer room. Do you think room. Blake chose him purely because he was the biggest man and would block the view? The best? I think that's exactly why he's there. Do you think yes. So? Well, no. Villa's not contributing much to that bit is he right so the next little subsection i mean we've had first scene next one is first dialogue right oh what's his first words do you do you know what his first words are god i couldn't remember let me think let me think uh no no idea all right well that this is a very good point to put uh the actual clip in so i'm going to put the clip in here couple more like that and we won't have a ship to take over Call him Villa. And Gannon Are there any others? The rest are doped to the islands. Perhaps we should get on with it, do you think? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Don't be nervous, Villa. Nervous? I'm not nervous. Just poised for action, that's all. You've got an army of five, Blake. Five and him. Do you still think you can take over this ship? If you do your bit. His very first line of dialogue is maybe... Don't be nervous, Vila. Because, of course, Gan is the only one who calls Villa Vila, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. Because they hadn't got used to what the pronunciations would be at this point, had they? No, 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 no. And that uh, raises my first question of the show. Um, don't be nervous, Vila. Are he and Villa mates before we actually see them take off? Do you think they knew each yeah. other before they took off? Well, I don't know, because this scene could be four months into the 
flight, isn't it? So mm. I, I don't know. I don't think they would have known each other beforehand, but I think they've made friends. I think Villa is sensible enough as a, a devout coward to befriend the yep. hardest person. Yep, that's exactly what yep. I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick with him. Keep away yep. from the bullies. Yes, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think they knew each other before um, before uh, taking off. Um, no. We'll talk about that shortly. About why Gan is actually there. Um, I've got a feeling he was in a straight jacket right up until the point yeah, he, he, he he arrived at that holding pen. Yeah. So yeah, no. Later on in that story, I mean, he helps Villa. You know, in. Uh, Villa's attempts to distract the guards, you know, the guy who's doped yes. up with the suppressants. Yeah, he's standing uh, under the suppressant vent like an idiot. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we get a suggestion of violence here from Gan, because yes. later on he says to the guard, you're going to open the door, and the guy guard refuses, and Gan says something like, we only need your hand, the inference being we're going to rip your arm off. You know? Yeah, because I think we we don't get... Gan's mention of his limits till Cygnus Alpha, do we, when he's saying he mm. needs to be amongst people or whatever. Or yes. It might even be Time Squad. Oh, it's such a no, it's Time Squad. It is Time Squad. Yeah. Because certainly in, in Spacefall, there's the, I doubt they've even thought much about the limiter. Or, he's just he's just a big thug, isn't he? And At the start, he's, mm. a, he's a muscle man. He's just, yeah, he's the muscle man, yeah. yeah. But when they get to Cygnus Alpha, I mean... Um, he is the first of the all the um, criminals, um, you know, to actually step out of that like you know little unit thing and actually step out onto the surface, isn't he? He is, yeah. In if it was a bit later, sort of mid eighties, when the heroes were muscle men, you know, like the Schwarzeneggers and the Stallones, you could see him as the uh, the hit main character hero, isn't he? Because he's mm. not he, he's not a coward at all. No, not in this. No, no, no. 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 And and yeah, he's the first one to step out. He's yeah. the first one to see old Pamela yeah. Salem, isn't he? You know, but it, it, it pays off for him, doesn't it? He gets a snog. He gets a snog. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think this is all very, very relevant. Yes. Um, Especially yeah, what we find out later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and he's chosen to play the part of being, you know, the sacrifice, sacrificial victim. Yeah, uh, for Vargas, isn't he? He's the guy who's going to be stabbed by Vargas. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably because that they, they didn't have a robe that would fit him to disguise him. Is that what it is? Do you yeah. think? Yeah, he would have. He would have come in with the robe partially done up. <laughs> yeah, just stretched over him. Yeah, because we keep comparing Blake Seven to original series Star Trek, and do, yeah. in this second ever story of Blake Seven, you know, it is Gan who not gets the girl, but there's a, a suggestion of romance yeah. and who loses the girl at the end, that would be done by Kirk in Star Trek. Or yeah, McCoy, Kirk, wouldn't or it? possibly McCoy if it was, you know, his episode. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a Kirkian thing. I wonder, because I wonder why they didn't think of having Blake have the romantic part like mm. that. Yeah, yeah. It's unusual, yeah. It, it it is very unusual, um, but um, and it's a shame because you know in this I know we're only two stories into the whole you know saga, but you know, and I, I can see why David Jackson, if he 
you know, read the first few scripts, it's like, yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's n- lots of nice scenes here. There's yeah. lots for me to do. I mean, it quickly degenerated, didn't it? And Well, it's the same situation with um, Jan Chappelle and Callie, wasn't it? It's like you say, hmm. you read, read the first script and it's like, whoa, this is an interesting character. Second script, I'm making the tea. Yeah, because there's yeah. that, I, I, I haven't got it to hand, but there's the thing where David Jackson went to David Malloy and said, uh, or Chris Boucher, and he said, four or something like that and it's like what do you mean four and he's like that's how many lines i've got in this story you know um it is a shame because um i i think i think we've mentioned this before on 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 this podcast it would be nice if you know each member of the crew had got their standalone story and they were all featured you know that there was a balance so yeah 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 this is this is the symptomatic of the way that Terry Nation wrote Blakeson, wasn't it? So they've, he's gone with the Dirty Dozen in space idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Dirty Dozen is a standalone film. So you've got each person has a quirk. You've got the the, the, the ranged one, the, yeah. you know, the silent killer one. And each one's got a quirk. And they'll get one scene each that shows, you know, saves the day with their particular thing or their particular skill is handy. So I think Terry Nation went down that route. So you've got you've got real broad archetypes sketches for each character and gan's character trait was the heavy mm. not yeah, literally and metaphorically um and rapidly and i can't remember whether it was chris Boucher or terry nation himself that said when you there's no point having a muscular uh, a muscular strong man when everyone's got a gun mm. Oh, that's it a good, make, good yeah, point. It makes yeah, it point, it, it makes it a whole very pointless. I can't. I, some one of the people behind the scenes said this, and it's like, yeah, it's true. If you know the the Colt forty five was uh, known as the equalizer, the great equalizer, and it's true because any inherent strength is down to pulling the trigger. Yeah, and so they had to come up with little bits for Gan to do. So like when he tears the cipher machine out. And, yeah. But it rapidly becomes a bit silly, and it's hard to do. Mm. So I'm not surprised that you didn't last as long as the rest of the crew. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, well yeah, well said. Yeah. Um, Olag gang. Yeah. Right? Olag. Right. We got the name, the first name Olag. Um, Zen calls him Olag gang. Olag uh, gang. Olag yeah. gang. Um, the, the the whole name situation in Blake Seven. I've seen all sorts of theories about why some people are called by their first name, um, why some people are called by their surname. Um, yeah. Have you got any theories on this? Uh, I think they just went with the name that sounded nice. Because um, in like in the military, you very rarely get first names because it's mm-hmm. not good for discipline. Um, but you've even on the crew, you've got a mixture. Which is weird because you don't. The only time you get that in real life is if someone's called, say, John Smith. They might be called Smithy or yeah. a, a bit of a nickname, but it's no, no one calls him Ganny, do they? Um, <laughs> I, but yeah, it, I'm, it's weird. I think this is just another Terry Nation. I think I think that's weirdness. all it is. Yeah. I've, I've I've seen it tried to be explained that it's a class system sort of yeah. thing, but that doesn't hold up because you know Villa, Villa is called, yeah. Villa's called by his first name, so so maybe the lower class are called by their first name, but Jenna is not lower class. No, you wouldn't have thought. So no, it doesn't hold up. It, no, I, think I think you're think absolutely right. It it's what sounds best. Yeah. Jenna sounds better than Stannis. 
you know, yeah. Villa sounds better than Restall. Yeah, Stannis would be good for a, a you know a villain or a space commander, Stannis. Mm. Oh but yeah, that sounds ca- good. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? But for the character they were going for, yeah, Jenna, first name. Mm. Um, I think the only one that sort of works either way is Rog Blake in it because Rog, yeah, it's okay. Blake, yeah, it's okay. Do you think Rog? Do you think Rog is actually shortened from Roger? Is his name no, Roger I think, Blake? I think he's Space Roger. Space Roger. Yeah, which is Raj. <laughs> Again, this is it's classic Terry Nation, and he 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 had a very limited repertoire of thinking up names. Hence, all the Tarrants and the Dells and the Dells and the Devs and the yeah. Dieters and the <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then you get Rog. Rog. All right. Rog. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, Olag. It's a weird, I, I, can you imagine it if it had gone through and it would have been called Olag? Olag. Mm, no, I prefer Gan. Yeah, yeah Gan. Gan I, th- I think that's all it is. It just sounds mm. better. All right. Okay. Right. Next. Ne- next little. Um. You, you know, little sideline thing. Uh, past life. What we yeah. know about the character. Okay. Um. Time Squad is where we learn an awful lot about um yes, Gan because yeah. of his little uh sit down discussion with Jenna. Do you and think he's telling the truth there? Well, this is the thing, right? Because now we're getting into, you know, mind control, mind swipes, you know, limiters yeah. and all stuff. Um, we don't know what's true and what's not. But according to Gan, right, he killed a security guard who yep. had killed his woman, right? Now, yes. we've speculated what does that mean by a woman. We have indeed, <laughs> yes. Yes. And therefore accused of murder. Um, and... And in Time Squad, he seems to sort of resent it. Um, it was like, well, he killed my woman. I'm going to kill him. Yes? Yes. Well, that's, yeah, that's the way he recounts it. It doesn't quite square with what we know of this universe. We've no. already started to get where if, if he was someone in the pub talking, you'd be, you'd be getting that feeling, oh, there's more to this. He's not telling me something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember me saying a few episodes ago about um, I'm going to send you an audio drama which explains how come Travis Mark II contacts the Andromedans? Do you oh, remember? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I am going to send. Oh, no, I'm going to before we do Travis Mark II. And yeah. in that, there is reference actually to Gan Ooh. and what he told the crew of the Liberator and. How it's a pile of porkies, and he is actually, yes, a mass murderer, uh, rapist, whatever you want to yeah. call him. He was far, far worse than the character we saw on screen. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we speculated, and I, I still think it's quite possibly quite true, is that he was perhaps a pimp or a gang runner. Mm-hmm. And when he said you, he killed my woman, he meant that literally, that the guard had killed one of his prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And so he killed it, and that makes much more sense to me than than what Gan was saying. It's also the fact that we don't see anyone else with a limiter. So why mm. did they not? If anyone else, if they'd have killed a Federation guard, they would have just got gunned down themselves. Well, look at Doran. So must, yeah. Look at Doran in Moloch. We've just been talking yep. about him, haven't we? You know. Yep. If anyone cried out for having a limiter yeah. fitted, it was him, wasn't yeah. it? You know. Yeah, so but, I think Gan must have been someone, and he, I don't think he was like—I don't think he was like the wayward son of a noble person because he, he, he's a little bit thick for that, isn't he? Mm. Um, but it could have been something like that. But I think he's more—he's the—he's a, a either the son of a 
criminal crime lord or he's something to do because he's very reluctant to deal with the in shadow he's very reluctant to deal with the terra nostra isn't yes he? he is yes. and i wonder if that's more to the fact that he knows these because he's either was one ah, he so it's not know. high morals it's like no, no, I, I think yeah, someone I think might recognize me yeah or someone might go like oh it's olag <laughs> You know, but all this, there's, oh, oh, he killed my woman. I keep yeah. getting a mental image of Tom Hanks in Castaway with his little friend, the coconut. Yes. Yeah. Gan's woman might Wilson, not be a, 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 a human at all. <laughs> yeah. There could have been anything. Yeah. Yeah, do you think it was a bucket with a face drawn? Could have been a bucket. Could have been anything. Mark. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we find out, yeah, this yeah. limiter is put in to stop him killing. All right. Yes. He could threaten, like the guy. I'm gonna. We only need your hand. He can threaten yeah, he could that. Bluff. But he couldn't act. He could bluff. Yeah, but if you called his bluff, he couldn't do anything. No. So therefore, he's, quite, he's useless. He's quite convincing. Like if 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 you or me were called to bluff someone, we wouldn't be convincing at all. No. Because we're not used to violence. But he speaks to that guard as if he's. This is an everyday thing for him. So he's either a very good actor. Which I don't think so. And I'm talking about Gan the character now. David yes. Jackson is yeah. a very good actor. Yeah. But Gan the character, he's a very good actor. Or he is used to a life of violence. Do you think that's the real Gan coming through when I he says, so. we yeah. only need the hand? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Gan was a particularly violent person. I think he's, told, he's spread a yarn with some truth to it mm-hmm. to get their sympathy. Right. Yeah, yeah. The more you're saying that, the more I'm thinking yeah. this is the... Uh, the, the the more likely scenario. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we know the limiter works because in Time Squad he tries to you know um, fight the those guardians, yeah. doesn't he? And it doesn't he does, work. It, it, doesn't it, work. It, it gives him a seizure or something like that. It gives him the sweats again. Yeah, and this limiter thing. All we know is that it was put into him before. Obviously, he took off on the uh, on the London, um, yeah. and and it's presumed, I guess, that it's after he killed the guard. That you got the limiter. But, the, but again, this, this doesn't sort of fit. There's more to this. So, A, why wouldn't they just kill him? Which we said that about a few prisoners. Yeah. B, why go to all the trouble? And we find out uh, from um, when they when the limiter goes wrong that it's very complicated to do this, which is presumably mm. why the Federation don't do it as a standard. So why would you go to all this trouble to fit a limiter to make him uh, social, but you know, social again. He can go yeah. out. He's in society. He's not, and then send him, exile him to a planet. Yeah. I wonder if he had had the limiter before, had been out like on parole, and still managed to do damage or be violent. And so wait, they've wait. gone. Let's just send him to Cygnus Alpha. Do you think he's so much of a psychopath that he yeah. could overcome? It's it's not a fault of the limiter malfunctioning. No. It's just that he is so. Well, don't they mention they mention in it that because I think we we drew attention to this that they say the limiter is there to stop him from killing, not yes. necessarily to stop him from hurting people. So he could have ripped the arm off that guard. I think so. Yeah, I I, I think this is. I think I think he can go as far. It's a bit like you know in Terminator Two when John Connor says to the Terminator, "You're not allowed to kill anyone." So he shoots people in the kneecaps in the and leg. says, "They're not going to die." Yeah. I think that's Gan with the limiter. I think he can injure people as long as he doesn't go so far that they'll die. Mm. No, that's a, that, 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 that is very interesting. Yeah, no, that's really good. I like that. All right. Um, in his own words, um, Gan followed Blake because I need people I can rely on. Yeah. I guess for the whole thing, I can 
do things up to a certain point, but um... so so think about this as well. Add a little. I'm troweling on my case against Gan. This should have been a court case, and we'll, <laughs> we'll vote at the end whether. Let's whether ask Judge right Rinder, to... shall we? Yeah, yeah. Were they right to get rid of Gan? So he says, "I've got to be with Blake because I need people I can rely on." What he means is, I need people that can kill because I can't. Me. Yes. Who's li- in whose life do you need someone that's going to regularly kill for you? Not me or you. No. But if you're a gangland, yes, hard boy criminal, used to that criminal life, yeah, you're you're going to be because we look at the other people in uh, the way back. I like they're a little bit doped up, but they're leading fairly mundane lives. They're file clerks. They've, you know, it's not a vi- this isn't a violent. Um, uh, society mm. like Gauda Prime and the Wild West style ones, that is, but this is Earth. It's not a violent society, so where would you need to be mm. surround yourself so someone can kill for, for you, you. As, <laughs> a, as a regular thing? That this is your first thought I can't kill people, I'm therefore in trouble. Mm. That's a weird, weird. It is weird. Psyche to have. You're, you're, you're painting a very good case for this uh, yeah. uh, version of Gan. If it wasn't for, but this might be the limiter or some sort of like mind blocking, he seems to have at times uh, quite a high moral code. All right. He says he does. He says he does. He says he won't die for Blake. I mean, he, he says he'll follow Blake, but he won't die for Blake. But um, he is the one... Um, um, who, com- as you say, completely objects to working with a Terra Nostra, right? Yes. You have never, I've never thought of anything other than, oh yeah, he's got high morals. But you're making me question this now yeah. because I I've think, always I think taken it's more, it. Yeah, it's more that uh, a he doesn't want to be recognised, and b he these are like a rival gang, so it's you know it's it's not that he objects to their way of life; it's he, ju- he objects to them. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Got another question for you, right? Go on in. Is Gan thick? No. I don't think so. I no, mean, there's no. I don't think he's he's amazingly well educated in anything other than cunning, and you know, he's not. He's, he, you wouldn't want him to repair your watch. No. But I don't think he's thick. No, at no point does he does he come across as a Bernard Breslau style Sid. type person. Well, they're, 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 it's, the, the reason I ask that is there's a couple of scenes. There's one where Orak is teaching him things. Yeah. And, and he says, either Orak says he's a bad student or Gan says or he's a difficult teacher. But also, I think it's in Horizon. He's trying to learn how to operate the teleport uh, yeah. controls. And he blames himself for it. But that I, I, you also see him operating the Liberator. At yeah. some, uh, yeah. So, point. I, so I, think I don't think is, he's thick. I yeah. think I think that's bad writing in some places. Yeah, but we we can't work on the bad writing principle. We've got to fit this into what we've got to fit this in that it's realistic, isn't we? So, is he just covering up mm. himself? Because I mean, we've all worked with people that that claim not to know how to do a complicated task, so they're not asked to do it. So is he saying, if is he going, oh, I'm not great on the, 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 the teleport, Blake. Oh, I'll tell you what, Gan, you don't have to sit there for eight hours waiting for us. You, and he's off having a bloody mojito sat under a sun lamp. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's, there's a, a, a bit of the, uh, 
he doth protest too much. Yes, to I, I, th- I think in some instances you've got um, you know uh, writers who you know they watch a few episodes um, as research for writing a story. Yeah. They see Gan, this big hulking man. They see Villa, this you know rather meek, you know timid man, and they're thinking of mice and men. Yeah, so that, 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 that yeah, drawing him to Lenny. Lenny. Yeah. 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 Well, well, that's a that's a stereotype that a lot. I mean, loads of programs use it, don't they? The, the Lenny mm. character, and there is. I th- I think you're right. If we if we go away from what's written is actually, uh, you know, we've got to work with that and into why it actually happened. Then yes, you're right. Writers came on, and it's he's the big muscle, therefore thick and stupid. Therefore, yeah. write a scene where he's looking at a Janet and John book or something. But that's just like, that doesn't fit with what we've had up till now. Mm. Um, it, 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 yeah. it is a bit silly if they've gone to you yeah. know such a cliche thing as that, you know. And like you say, it's, it's classic of mice and men. That's the the double act of the 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 hulking great moron and the little guy that takes advantage of him. That mm. you know that yeah that's classic. And I think it's possibly we might see it as lazy, but they might see it as a shortcut. Yeah, you know, we've got forty-five minutes. He's a big guy. He's thick. Shortcut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's focus on the other people. Yeah, yeah. Could you see him being played by Brian Bless? Uh, Brian. You know, what I mean, Bernard Breslau. Brian Bernard Breslau. Bres- I was going Brian Breslau. My my mouth can't say that. Yeah, Bernard <laughs> Breslau. Um. Uh. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> With Sid oh. James's villa. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it'll be Charles Hawtrey. Oh yes, yeah, Charles Hawtrey. Yeah, <laughs> we're back to carry on, and it carry, carry on and Monty Python just permeate our lives it's... all the way through this show. Yeah, yeah. all right. And uh, another little, um, you, you know, sideline on this um, uh, to come up with for future, you know, major characters, um, yeah. ruthless or not. We should have done this with Travis Mark One mm. because because I think he was pretty ruthless. But do you think? Um, I don't think so with Gan. He, he's no. not ruthless. No. He he doesn't kill anyone. During his time on the show, does he? What 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 definition of ruthless are we using? Because you can be ruthless and not be violent or vicious, but you know you can you can just not allow anything to stand in your way. All right. Um, well, with so, Gan, yeah. is there any instance you can think of where Gan actually was like that? Um, well, I mean, he threatened the guard in the way yeah, back. He threatened yeah. other people. Um, I, I think he would be if if he could kill. I think he would. Mm. Yeah, if that limiter if, wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. To, to paraphrase whatever song it was, if Gan could kill, he possibly will. <laughs> In games without frontiers. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll put probably for that show. Yeah, we? I think probably I would because we we don't really get we don't know how far he would go. Right. But but if he if he could, I think. It'd be killing people left, right, and centre. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. All right, another little feature now. All right, last yeah. words. Was okay. it? Ah! No, it wasn't. Okay, it's another new thing. This, um, the last words spoken of a character, and were they prophetic? All right. Oh. Um, do you remember what Travis's Mark One uh, last words were? Was it? How could you, Blake? No, it wasn't. No, it was on um, the beach in Orac. It, it was in the beach in Orac, yeah. and uh, yeah, Travis Mark's the one's last ever words were, "Come on, man, why don't you kill us?" Oh right. 
Not very prophetic. No, I mean, very yeah, prophetic. if he had been spoke, speaking to Avon, yes, yeah. because Avon kills Travis. But he's talking to um, Blake and Callie at the point. At that point, yeah. so no. To be All fair, right. he didn't think there would be his last words, did he? He didn't. No, no, no. He was going to have a summer break, not play badminton, and come back and yeah. do season two. Yes. All right. So Gan's last words, right? Is it ah. something really terrible like, let's run down this way, Blake? No, I think these are prophetic. I think these right. m- m- might be, um, you know, the most prophetic. Maybe they're mm. open to question. Gan's last words are, I'm not worth dying for. Oh. Do you think Dan, uh, Dan, Gan is uh, not worth dying for? No, I don't think he is worth dying for. No? No. I, I I mean, it depends on, I suppose it depends on your view of of which version of Gan is the real Gan. Mm. But no, I'm not, I'm not sure. But then I'm not entirely sure I would die for any of the crew. Well, <laughs> I don't I'm, really want to die. I'm thinking, yes. You would die for Gan? No, 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 you no. You heard it here first, folks. No, no, I'm taking it more that um, Gan needs saving mm. because our next little sub plot thing All is right. is called most pivotal right all right we're going to pay attention to this because we're going to be doing these on all of them from That's now on all right it? yeah this is another new feature right okay. who who was right yeah the most pivotal person in the show right oh okay i think right up until now the biggest must be raker okay because yeah. raker is the one who said to Leyland, let's put a boarding crew aboard. If Raker had never come up with that idea, Blake, Avon and Jenna would never have got onto the Liberator and therefore the show would never have happened. Blake and the other two would have ended the, the rest of their lives on Cygnus Alpha. Yes? But surely though, the most pivotal... Well, we've got, we've got a few other absolutely pivotal characters. One is Blake himself. Yeah, but when, we haven't... Ah, uh, but yeah. we haven't done a show on Blake. Ah, uh, right. Okay, gotcha. So this yeah, is okay. the characters we've talked about so far. Right. Right. Okay. So up until we've got now, to go back and do them all. Seventy <laughs> yards. No, yeah. I was thinking about. I, it, it, well, unless unless someone can think of a one yeah. other character or other characters we've thought about, but I, I'm thinking Raker is the one who gave the idea of putting yes. them on the yeah. Liberator. If they never went on the Liberator, none of the rest yeah, Le- would happen. Leyland would have given up, and presumably. The aliens from uh, the system would have come back and picked up the Liberator mm. from whoever had it. Yeah. So this is my my, my point here in yep. that in this story, right? Yeah. When the polystyrene boulders start falling down, right? Yeah. And uh, Gan dies. If if Gan had not died, right? Yes. What would have happened if Gan had not died? Okay. Blake wouldn't have felt guilty, therefore he wouldn't have attacked Space Command during Travis's trial. So therefore, Travis would have been executed for the common criminal that he was. Therefore, the whole Star One thing would have never happened. The Andromedans wouldn't have invaded, at least not at that point. Might have somewhere along the lines. So, Season 3 would have been different, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, Servalan would have cemented her control because she was on the rise. She? Yeah, Blake so would have just been free. doing the small things because he can't now do Star One. Yeah. 
So I think I think Blake would have become very suicidal anyway at that point because his plan's gone. So I think he, he would have either given up in a huff and gone, you know, gone to live with his uh, his cousin. Yeah, but having said that, though, I mean, Travis is the one who contacts yeah. the Andromedans who are yes. massing outside the force field. But if 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 Travis was killed, the Andromedans wouldn't have found a way through the force field. Therefore, but if, Blake would have got yeah. to Star One. He would have still met Dockley, wouldn't he? He would still get to Star One. Blake would have actually achieved his goal and destroyed Star One. Possibly. But In then which, if, if Gan hadn't have been killed and blocked the... Are we saying that Gan would have just been a little bit quicker at the water? Yes, the that's what I'm saying. If he, ah, okay. If okay. he had run through Travis with Travis would have caught them. No, no, no. If they yeah. escaped, if Blan had, oh, okay. Gan yeah. had been a little bit faster, then Blake would have won, wouldn't he? Because yeah, then he would have destroyed... Me. Millions and billions of people would have died because climate control would have just broken but down on all these But at least they planes. would have died as free men. <laughs> <laughs> and women and children. But yeah, it, it is a that. question of which is the worst then, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's all completely foobar, isn't it? <laughs> All right, so yeah, I don't know—is he pivotal or not? I think he is pivotal. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, because it could have gone a completely, well, more than multiple different ways after that yeah. if he had survived. Yes. Yeah. All right, so so that's that bit. Um, we were talking all the way through. We've been talking about Gan. I would like to know what. Well, I hope our, so. It's his episode. Yes, I would like to know what our listeners take on Gan. Yes. Yeah. Do, yeah do, what's your viewpoint? Yeah. Everything we've been talking about here. Do you agree with us? Do you think he, he was a mass murderer, yeah. some sort of enforcer? Or was what? he the gentle giant that was driven to to violence? Yeah. Let us know on Facebook, yeah. please. Let us know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. All right. So uh, behind the scenes, um, David Jackson, of course. Yes, um, lovely man. Yeah, lovely, lovely man. man. Did you ever meet him? I did. Yes, I met him. I think a couple of times at the uh, uh, Cult TV conventions in the I want to say the early two thousand and one ishes is mm-hmm. around that time. Could have been ninety eight. Could have been somewhere around that. It was a blur. But yeah, I um, I met him a couple of times. He always seemed a very nice fellow. He had a beard at the time. Okay. Open to talking about Blake Seven and everything? Oh, very, very, very proud of, of Blake Seven. I don't think he thought it was his best work, but he was very, very proud that people loved it. Right. Um, I mean, he married a fan, didn't he? he married a... Did he really? Yeah. Um, one of the, probably one of the Horizon fan ladies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he married a fan of the show. That's what Peter Mayhew did, didn't he? Oh, Chewbacca. Yeah. yeah, he married a fan as well. Might be the same fan. You never know. Might be the same way. Is anyone tracking this woman? She might be just going through killing secondary characters. Maybe he married David Jackson. Well, maybe, maybe Dave, well, David Jackson's wife was Peter Mayhew. Could be. Well, he had long hair, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, yeah, so David Jackson, as yes. we have seen before in a lot of behind the scenes at the BBC it was quite you know inbred you know somebody's a mate of somebody yeah. so you get a job and everything and yeah David Jackson uh, bumped in literally bumped into David Maloney in a corridor at uh, at, at the BBC um, they knew each other um, from way back because when David uh, Jackson was starting out in rep 
David Maloney was still an actor at that point. He hadn't become a oh, producer. Right. He, he, he was an actor. And he was in the same rep company, um, you, you know, a couple of years above yeah. him. And um, David was there to audition for the part of a homicidal maniac. <laughs> Make of that uh, yeah. what you will. Um, and he didn't get it. He went for it, but he didn't get it because David Prowse got it. Oh, right. Now, I've looked into David Prowse's um, acting career from about, you know, 77, 78, and I can't see anything he was in that was uh, the role of a homicidal maniac. Homicidal maniac. Although mm. I suppose um, Darth Vader, fairly homicidal. Yeah, but you wouldn't audition at the Beeb. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, David Jackson said he... And I, I can't see David Jackson as Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, it would, yeah, I don't know. No, he's not that tall. He was a big no. bloke, but he wasn't that yeah. tall, was he? Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, David Maloney said he was cast in for this new science fiction show that he was going to produce. And, uh, and he said... Oh, I think you might be all right. And he went along to the Royal Court where um, David Jackson was in a play called Fair Slaughter, um, also with uh, Jan Chappelle. So that's how come David Maloney um, noticed Jan Chappelle. Um, And uh, so that's how they both got the job on Blake Seven. Um, Now, it was at the beginning of the filming of season two that um, that David was told that Gan was going to be killed off. We've seen before, haven't we, that it, it, it uh, Terry Nation wanted Villa to be killed yeah. off because he didn't like the way the character was going. There was too much comedy, etc., uh, etc. Et um, Ironic from ex-comedy writer. Terry yes, Nation. yeah, 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 Mr. Hancock, yeah. Um, and, yeah, he was convinced, uh, no, 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 look at the uh, re- reader... Um, or yeah. watcher ratings, you know, Villa is is very popular. So they decided to get rid of Gan, um, and uh, David Jackson was okay with it because he had a background in um, theatre work where you play a role only for a certain time and then you move on to other things. You know, he had done things before, of course, like Zed cars and what have you. So um, he was well used to this, and he he, he was fine with it apparently. Yeah. Well, this is this is sort of I know there were Star Trek conventions earlier than that but not really in this country but this is before appearing in any sci-fi guaranteed you a a regular fan base and and convention appearances so i yeah i can see why he would have been bored with this part and want to move on Mm. you know that that he wouldn't fight to stay in it Mm. yeah yeah all right well so so that's that that's that so uh genre tally um, not much. I've always think that he's been in more than he actually has. Yeah. Right. My my guess is going to be things like he might, probably did a heavy in Avengers or. Yeah, he 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 did yeah. dramas and stuff yeah. like that, and as I say, Zed cars and that, um, where he was very famous. Um, but yeah, he was heavy. As he was the muscle and stuff like that. Yeah. But when you're talking about genre, only four. Um, um, and the very first thing he was in, I remember him in, and. Boy, he was creepy. I don't know if you know him from this, but uh, a Hammer film called Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. I I know the title. I, I couldn't tell you which mummy film it was. Yeah, it's the one with Valerie Leon oh, in right. it. Oh, yes. right. Yeah. And, and one of the... So uh, I remember her. 
Yeah, <laughs> everyone remembers her yeah. from that. Oh, blimey, especially when she's eating the banana. Good yeah. grief. You wouldn't get away with that now. Um, she was a lovely lady as well. Oh, she, and she's yeah. still going. She's, she's still, still going. going. Yeah, yeah, she's still on the convention circuit. Yeah, <laughs> well yeah, done. Yeah. Like, it's, she's, yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> Stop. Um, well done on being alive. Yes, yeah, congratulations. Um, yeah. yeah, no, there's a scene in it where one of the um, archaeologists that uncovered yeah. the mummy's tomb, he's in an insane asylum, and there's there's yeah. two orderlies, right? One is right. David Jackson and one is the other. And they are creepy as heck. There is an underlying... I don't know how to put it. There's an underlying tone to their performances where they're, that, they're sadistic yeah. and there's other creepiness in there. There's smirking between well, the he, two of them. Yeah, know? I mean, David Jackson was... I mean, you, you, when you when you occasionally spot him in, you know, programs as the heavy or the the you know the big guy next to him, and he you don't realise that he he was a really good actor, but he he could turn on the. I mean, we've said before with Gan, he can turn on the creep factor yeah. like yeah. no other. Yeah, he's unsettling in that film. Ooh, he ooh, really yeah. is. He really is. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hammer films aren't subtle in their horror. You know, it's all quite blatant, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's in your face. Well, I think they're quite subtle now. No, 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 no. But something like Blood from the Mummy's yeah. Tomb is not subtle. When you've got Valerie, uh, Va Valerie yeah. Leon eating a banana, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not subtle. But yeah, that, yeah, there's a it, he. He's disturbing in that film. Yeah, and I don't think he's meant to be. <laughs> you know, it wasn't the focus of that scene. But anyway, so that was his first thing. Second film, uh, second thing he was in, uh, Space 1999, right? Right. Season, season one or two? Season two, I'm afraid. He yeah. wasn't He wasn't one of those creatures in the walls of the loop. He was. Oh, God. I'm afraid so. Dave Frowser, well, yeah, they could have gone. Yeah, he, he, he was the strong alien in that. Yeah. yeah, in those awful, awful pantomime costumes. Terrible costumes. Do you know what? I'm saying about Dave Frowser, I think... Uh, David Jackson would have been a much, much better choice as Hot Black Desiato's bodyguard in Hitchhiker. I think Because so. Dave Prowse is bloody awful in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. David Jackson would have brought a, a threatening creepiness that yeah. Dave Prowse just hasn't got. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, so yeah, Ruse, I don't want to think about Rules of Loot on that's an awful, oh, awful episode. That's one of the reasons we're not doing Space 1999 in character next, isn't it? We could do Space 1999 Season 1 in character. In character. Or <laughs> just do the Professor Bergman show and yes. do a half hour each week of us saying, oh, he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe. Um, yeah. Next thing, Space 1999 again. Bring us Ooh. a wonder. Okay. I hadn't spotted this. He's the uh, alien voice in Bring us a wonder. Oh, that's I did not know. I'm not yeah. going to have to dig that one out. You might make me watch a bloody season two. No, no don't do it. Don't do it. No? Yeah. Okay, I won't bother. And then his fourth is uh, Blake Seven. Yeah. Is that All it? right. That's it. Yeah. So he gets an Anderson tally of two. All right. That's pretty good, Anderson tally. But... Yeah. Now, the tallies these days are to do with acting rather than just voices because yeah. we've dropped the whole thing about, you know, computer games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's not a real job, is it? It's not. I mean, he was never in Who, but audio-wise, he was. Because in 2002, his voice, he, he was in the uh, audio drama Sarah Jane Smith Comeback. Oh. A big finish thing, okay? 
So if you're if you're including audios, he did in, uh, uh, yeah. uh, appear in Doctor Who. All right. I think we'll give it him, shall we? All right. Okay. So that is Oleg Ganover. All right. Uh, you've okay. only Ganon done him. Ganon done him. Yes. All right. Okay. Yes, with Oleg over, um, we've got an, an additional bit to tonight's recording. Um, the value these people get. Oh, the value you get. Because normally, guys, uh, folks... Um, ladies. and No, folks is a generic term. That's true, I suppose. Yes. Ladies, yeah. ladies people. people too. Yes, yeah. people, people. Um, yeah. Ian and I record at three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. We do. Um, Today, today's Monday. Today is Monday, eight in the evening. Um, yesterday at three in the afternoon, I was at Cygnus Alpha. You were hobnobbing with the stars. I you was, know what I was doing yesterday? Go on. I went to the cinema to watch uh, Downton and Abbey, the movie. Did you? It was very good. I enjoyed it, yeah. Compared to Blake 7? Uh, which episode? In, in total? I'd rather watch Downton Abbey, the movie, than most of season four again. Okay. All right. <laughs> that, that That's not saying much. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So yeah, no, I was at Cygnus Alpha yesterday. So I thought, yep. um, as an add-on, as an added bonus, does everyone to know what Cygnus Alpha was? In the they probably do. I thought yeah. in the event they don't, Cygnus <laughs> Alpha is Cygnus Alpha London, uh, yes. twenty nineteen, a uh, Blake Seven convention uh, put out by uh, the lovely Ian Kubiak who did last year, and I think maybe the year and year before. There's been a few of them. Uh, he was quite emphatic yesterday that uh, yesterday's would be the last ever uh, Cygnus Alpha Blake 7 event. Um, I show yep. vague interest. <laughs> and everyone quits. They don't want yeah. to see you. I don't blame them. To be yeah, fair. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I was on and R in about whether to go to it or not. Um, it was quite, quite. Uh, I'm mean, not not judging this at all, but it was quite a, a high ticket price one, wasn't it? It was a high ticket price one, yeah. yeah. And but there was a convention I was going to go to, which I decided not to go to, and then I justified it by well, by not going to that one, I've saved money on a travel lodge, therefore I've got. I'm actually saving money if I buy the ticket. So you can tell you're a family man that you've got to justify. <laughs> yes, yeah, but you have to. Don't you? It says you it all. To, not just it to other people. You have to justify it to yourself. It's very difficult to spend a, an amount of money on on a frivolous hobby, really, isn't it? Perfectly put. Mm. Perfectly put. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. So yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, so yesterday saw me getting up at dawn's crack. And um, yes, and uh, getting on the train, going up to London. Um, yeah, that's if, not that's not a good job in itself, is it? Going on a train to London, not on a Sunday morning. No, no, no. no. I had a very busy Saturday, but uh, went up to London. Went on the underground. Um, the location was in West London, um, at, uh, very near Kew, Kew Bridge. An area of London I, I've not been yeah. to before. I, I literally had to do the never eat shredded wheat over a superimposed map of London in my mind mm. to work out West London. That's not good, is it? That's not good. That's, That's not, not good, good at all. Yeah. So, um, as I said on the Facebook page yesterday, when I was a teenager going up to London and visiting all these like obscure little comic shops, you'd go yeah. into an area, you, you'd travel for what seemed like hours oh, on, the, yeah. on the tube to get to a place to visit, you know, that you've never seen before, never go back to again. And, that brought it all back to me yesterday to go all the way on the underground to Acton Town. 
um, and then walk down a, a very smelly a dual car carriageway. Area, it? it is because you've got this mm. big dual carriageway you have to walk down, and then you reach the M4. Is it basically where London joins onto the motorway? So uh, under an underpass, down Chiswick High Street. Finally got there, found it. That was fine. Ian was there. Lovely man, Ian. Hello, Not Ian. Me. Yeah, yeah. Not me. Hello, other Ian. Different Ian. Different Ian. Uh, still lovely, though. Um, something about Ian's, I think. Um, and, yeah, went upstairs. Loads of... Pe- I, I, I got there about, I don't know, 10 past 10. Event opened at 10. Got there at 10 past 10. And, of course, Blake 7 fans being Blake 7 fans. Tons of people there already. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it was at the uh, Museum of Music. And um, I don't know how extensive the actual building is, but the bit we were in was like the stalls of a very small theatre with a stage area, which is where the uh, Q&As all took place and stuff like that. And did, round- you, did you look around the Museum of Music? Didn't see any of it. I, I, I went up the lift at like 10 past 10, went into the room and only came out the room to go to the toilet, which was on the same level. So I saw nothing else of that building. I left it just after six. So like eight hours in one room. Well, one auditorium. Wow. Uh, yeah. It, it, and it got very warm. I kept saying this to people and in the audio clips mm. that are going to be in this, um, you'll hear me say about how hot it is. But that's it just... It was a warm day as well yesterday, wasn't it? It was so... a warm day. You've got, you know, like 100 guests talking all the time. That's the hot air. That's a lot yeah. of hot air. Yeah. That is a, hot, a lot of hot air. Everyone talking about Blake 7, that's a lot of hot air. Yes. So, yeah, I went upstairs, opened the door, found our listener straight away. Hey. Literally, doors open, our listener is there. Ruth, who folk will most probably remember from our Maximum Power um, coverage episode. Seems so long ago. So, it does seem such a long mm. time ago. But, yeah, Ruth was there. Really cool. <laughs> Um, and then Natalia. Now you met Natalia, um, yes. who is one of our our listeners as well. Uh, originally from, I think it's the Ukraine, and then moved to America, and then back to the UK where she is now. She's the one at Maximum Power who has dressed up as Shivan. Yes. Okay. A very good costume it was. Did you actually talk to her out of character of Shivan? Yes, I think I talked to her not dressed as Shaban. Oh, right. That would have, that would have been a weird conversation. <laughs> i tell you what, later on, I'll, we'll come to this shortly, but I did talk to her as Shaban, and it was a very strange experience. Did she do the voice? She did. Well, later on um, in the audio clips, um, Natalia is actually giving us uh, uh, her give me five questions oh and, excellent and, but she started it as Chavan, but <laughs> out of the Chavan outfit which was oh, a, that's weird. a bit startling yes i got off, I, I i'm now terrified that i've just insulted her because that is actually a voice <laughs> <laughs> no it's not it's not okay all right so that, that that was good to see them there excellent people were in the hall um at the back uh simon atkinson was there the London? Yeah, the London was already out, so I took lots of snaps of that because there was no one else there. Matt had just arrived. Matt Irvin had just arrived, unboxing all his stuff. So had a good uh, chat with him. Did his van break down again? No, no, no. He was all right today. Excellent. uh, Yesterday, sorry. And yeah, that the the whole day was very well organised by Ian because basically. Um, 
each group of guests the first thing that would happen would be a photo opportunity where you could actually uh you, you know buy a ticket which got you up where you had a professional photo taken with the group photo or individuals etc etc okay and then it would become a uh, a conversation and a Q&A with those people followed by an autograph session with those people so it was done very very well yeah excellent so yeah, this fir first photo opportunity that happened, it was Simon Atkinson up on the stage. It was Matt Irvin and um, Jonathan Wright Miller, who was the director of Shadow and Horizon. Okay, yeah. and um, they had their photo ops with the people that uh, chose those. Then they were up on the stage, and we we had a conversation and Q and A with those guys, hosted by Ian. Ian was the question master, master and very interesting stuff. Um, a lot of it because, you know, two-thirds of the people up on the stage were model makers and effects people. So, you know, you, lots Script, of... yeah. Yeah, lots of... Did you ask any questions? Um, I'm too meek to stand my, uh, oh. put, put my hand up, but it didn't matter. People were putting their hands up and, you know... Type of glue do you use? <laughs> I could have asked that, but yeah. I, I didn't dare. But you know, Matt Irving, you know, from all his times yeah. on Swap Shop and 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 stuff, he he's a natural raccon raconteur, and um, you know, it's like wind him up and watch him go, you know, and uh, fascinating stuff, you know, really good anecdotes. I didn't realise yeah. that the reason that Matt Irvine owns the original Orac. He didn't own the original ORAC until the uh, the effects people, after they had moved out of the you, you know the workshops they had, yeah. um, their workshops were going to be demolished, and they had all the, 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 the these like you know uh, storage cabins and stuff, and they all had to be demolished because uh, EastEnders was expanding, and um, they had to be demolished to make way for EastEnders and. Matt said yesterday about how he opened up this like lockup and um, opened the door and as the light shone in through the open doorway there was something gleaming at the back and he went across with his torch and there was Aurac wow. and they, they had been told anything that's in these things just put them in the skip because you know the whole building's going to be yeah. demolished and that's when he saved it Aurac was going to go into the skip. Well, I'm so glad he was there at the right time. Yeah. It shows the uh, the total level of contempt the BBC had for all this stuff. Though. Oh, of course. But that, that, that came up during those conversations, you know, these things. And we've said about this before, you know, yeah. when you're making stuff, things are are, are not archived just at all. No, they're, just yeah, they're just things. Yeah, and, and as Matt said, you know, there was no storage space for stuff. No. So, so many of the things he took home with him because, you know, um, they might want them for Swap Shop. He, he said he would go on to, you, you know, a show and explain what a model is, but you had to have the model with yeah. you. But the BBC... It's weird to think he had to take his own props. Yeah, but the BBC didn't yeah. have any room to store these things, so he no. took them home because there was nowhere else to put them, you know. And uh, Jonathan Wright Miller, oh, what a lovely chap. You know, yeah. what a lovely old boy. He, very well-mannered, very well-spoken. Um, only did two episodes. Yeah, as I say, you know, sh uh, Shadow and Horizon. And he was asked by someone in the audience, why didn't you do more? And he, it was just a case of he was too busy. He was doing other shows for, yeah, you know, demand, ITV yeah. or, or whatever, you know. And, uh, 
and very interesting questions, you know, and, and things he was coming up with about how somebody said, well, you know, in the script for um, Shadow, you know, where there's, where, where there's this creature from another dimension, how do you go about, you know, uh, representing that on screen? With the yeah. BBC budget, and he, he he was in full praise of you know Mitch Mitchell and all the electronics guys for doing that, and and the whole idea of having Callie inside Orac, you know, to have the overlay of having you know Callie inside Orac and stuff like this, you know, and so yeah, he very interesting to hear all, all, all what he had to say for that, um, and the location work for Horizon as well about how you know. Um, the, the 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 caves that they use there, overgrown yeah. with trees and stuff like this, you know. So that was all very interesting. Yeah, because we we wondered about that when we did it, didn't it? Is it was it like that one locked off shot? And if you'd have moved, you know, two degrees either way, you would have seen like walkways and well, stuff according, like that. Well, according to Jonathan, I mean, they they are Iron Age um, like uh, coal mines. Oh, right. Or iron mines, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were before the Romans. They were digging it out the ground, and then through the Roman period and afterwards. But then, since then, you've had a whole forest grow over the top of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you have a clip. It's a farmer's field. If apparently, according to Jonathan, you go there, it's just a, f- a farmer's field with some trees. And when you get yeah. there, you've got a bloody great crevice going down <laughs> and um so yeah now that that, that 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 was very interesting but oh I, I was so gutted well i wasn't gutted because it was all for charity and of course if it's charity you want things to go for big money but he brought along some personal items to auction okay all and right. he had his own um uh, uh shooting scripts for horizon okay shadow yeah. And he also had a blueprint, the BBC blueprint for the Liberator and everything, oh. uh, the Liberator flight deck. And they went up for auction then and there, and it's like, oh, blimey. And they all had his own, you know, scribbles that he had yeah. written in, in the margins wow. for, for all and everything. You know, totally unique items. And it's like, I especially was after the Shadow one, and it's like, oh, blimey, you know, th- this would be good. But, you know, and, what and I'm, go for? I'm glad to say, you know, I'm gutted yeah. on a personal level, on a selfish level, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted that it was out of my price range. But each one of those items went for 200 or more, you know. No, I think that's reasonable, then. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that... that um, you know, full credit for the bidders and well done the bidders. You know, you've got yourself a, a unique item there, you know. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So that was that. That was the first hour of them up there, and after that, it was autograph time. So yeah, the three guys they came down and um, you, you, you know sat at their tables. Um, I had a nat with Matt about a. Uh, um, if you've been on Facebook, you will have seen this photo I bought of a very young, yes. dashing-looking yeah. Matt with a, um, a a model from um, Warriors of the Deep, isn't it? Yep. And that's right, yeah, because yeah, I want to recreate it, and that's the clearest photo I've ever seen of it. So I asked Matt to sign that. Um, I'm not going to include that in this uh, podcast today. I'm going to do that on my Mystery Models um, Facebook page when I actually get round to making that model. All right. Um, so then I had a natter um, with uh, Simon Atkinson about the London. I've got a question for you. One more question about the London. I'll, I'll take that over. Right. One more question about the London. Right. Is there a kit part on there that you regret putting on there? 
Not even the no, things no, on the front no, of the bird suit. What goes on was the card, the card mock-up that Ian had made. He had them on that. That's his Jerry Anderson background going on as well, isn't it? Thank you very much. And that's why also they were used on the Gerdabridge bits were used on the Liberator. Right. Well, it was an homage to the whole thing. It's almost an in-joke now, isn't it? I reckon, you know, people making 3D models now and everything will put that on. I think one of those should be on everything. Yeah, 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 just CGI them on. Somewhere, you know, just a little nod back to the No, that was Ian. Um, I wouldn't have thought of doing it, but he, he had it on there. No. So and it looks great. He, what he'd done was the card model, he just had, you know, drawn in pencil, and he had one stuck and then squares drawn. Right. So that was, okay. Once gotcha, so gotcha. Excellent. All right, see you later, Simon. Yeah, Thank you very much. And uh, that was very interesting. Um, all it looks about, lovely now, doesn't it? It does. All, all pristine and everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put a clip in there about about that. But that was good to see the London with with Simon. He's now handed it back to Matt Irving. It's now Matt, <laughs> in Matt's He's hands again. He's dumped it in a shed somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it was lovely seeing it up close. You know, when you think yep. that that is the actual London and he had done a fantastic fantastic job on the decals and 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 everything like that you know um all he needed to do now is actually make the uh, the landing pad you know that yep. it, it, yeah. it takes off from but uh that would be a big task it would be a big task but i wish you'd been there i think as a modeler yourself yeah, I, you I would have enjoyed it yeah. yeah you would have seen seen and all the kit pieces on it you know i mean yes. there, there, there's all the girder Bri bridge parts there's the tamiya tank wheels on there and stuff like that and and talking to um to, to simon i said you know are there any parts that either you don't remember what you used or you can't find them and yes there are a few places where he couldn't remember or he couldn't um, get them again so he's gone to the next best thing you know he's approximated them yeah but it still looks fair. terrific yeah no no it looks absolutely terrific yeah um so after simon it was uh jonathan wright miller all right and i had to ask him a question uh from from natalia all right yeah and this is about... Right, I've got a question for you, Jonathan, before yeah. you sign the thing. Yeah. Um, I do a Blake Seven in Character podcast where we talk about, you know, individual characters, guest characters and the main characters, etc., etc. And they've asked me to ask you a question, yeah. right? In Horizon, yeah. right, was it your decision to have Gareth Thomas and Michael Keating topless? Because they are very, very topless in that story. Oh, oh. When you're on location, oh, thank you very much, Ian. I'll, I'll... In the mines. Yeah, down in the mines. Was it your decision to have them? Was that a shot, especially for the ladies, or <laughs> what was it? I, I suspect. I honestly don't remember, but it was probably a joint decision. I think. I think I mean, he's quite proud of his top, isn't he? Way Gareth was me anyway. Right. And Michael was as well. Right. I suspect it was. It was also terribly hot down there. Oh, was it? Yes. It was, it was in the forest. It was in the, uh, in the Clearwell Caves. Yeah, the yeah. 
because Blake Seven's got a history of filming, you know, in the middle of winter, and everybody's, you know, got the frost on their breath, and they all look no, no, freezing. No, no, I think, I think we, were this, we were late summer. Oh, right. So, oh, okay. All right. Because whenever there's charges of sexism in Blake Seven, you know, oh, that woman's not wearing much. We always say on the show, yeah, but there was Gareth Thomas and Michael Keaton topless as well. But, but so it's a nice balance. <laughs> it's a difference when the women, when the women are topless, it's because they're told to. Yes. When the men are topless, it's because they're proud of it. So are you going to take ownership of that? Was that your decision? Go on, say yeah. You were progressive. And this is about, I would have already played the clip before now, but you don't know this, but Natalia wanted me to ask him, in Horizon, right, was it yep. his decision to have Gareth Thomas and Michael Keating's topless? <laughs> now, what do you think he said about that? Uh, I think he'll probably say that it wasn't in the script and they just turned up like it or something like that. Basically, yes. He said, he, <laughs> yeah, he said Gareth was quite proud of his body right. and, and wanted to show it off. <laughs> you know, so. And why not? And why not? Because I told him, I said, you know, before on the podcast where you, we've said about, you know, that's quite scantily clad ladies yeah. there. You, you have said, well, we had Gareth Thomas. Yeah, know, it's only fair. With his top off. Yeah, so, so Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, but when I told him that, he took ownership of it. Because if, if you look at it in that way, it's quite progressive, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yes. He should be proud of that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, it was a very good day. But there was no break. As soon as one thing finished, the next thing yeah. started. So, you know, you had to go out and, you know... So you're going to miss something if you want to... If you, you know, want to go out and get fresh air. Riddle, or, yeah. you know, even a Jimmy Riddle. Yeah, I had strategically to choose where my Jimmy Riddles were going to be. You know, <laughs> because I had a, a ticket that had my number on it. So when it was time to go up for a photo... You yeah. know, I had to be there for it or I'd miss out, you know. So, yes, that that, that that was a bit tenser a couple of times. So once that bit was over, we had the next photo uh, studio set up. And uh, the next lot we had was a late addition to um, to the lineup for the day, which is uh, Sam Dastor, okay? And he played the Caliph in Harvest of Kairos, all right? Right. So he was there. Ian Cullen, who we talked about Yay. not too long ago, yeah, played Escon, didn't he? Um, and uh, who else did we have? We, Gillian Bailey, who played Ravella in the very first uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, we episode. spoke about her recently. The one from the Double Deckers, yes. Yep. Um, did you ask her about anything like that? I did. Do you remember the Double Deckers? I'll tell you about that in a minute, all right? She said, I, I prefer the topic. There's <laughs> a joke for old school chocolate fans. For old fans people, there. yes, Yay. yeah. And then we have Peter Roy... Uh, Peter Roy is an extra. He's been in tons of stuff. We totally and utterly and utterly and utterly overlook Peter Roy. I am. Oh. Sh I'm ashamed to say. As each person, sure he'll forgive us. No, he won't. Wait, wait, wait till this, Ian. As each guest was introduced and went onto the stage, on the whacking yeah. great big screen behind them, there was a clip of their, you, you know, role in Blade yeah. Seven. Yeah. When Peter Roy's time came up. He, do you remember when we did the Provine episode not too long ago? Oh yeah, the 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 guy we, whose name we couldn't remember. No, no, there was a guy yeah. outside the door, another guard, and we said, "Well, yeah. Provine must have oh, killed him." Yes, we had completely missed the clip where you see Peter Roy. He walks along, and then Provine's hand comes out, puts it over his mouth, and pulls him backwards. 
Do you know what? I don't remember that at all. I don't remember it at all, but I saw it on the screen. It's like, oh, crap, that's the guy we've just talked about. How weird. Sorry, I'm Peter. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's missing from the DVD print. No, it's in the DVD. I Is went it? back and checked. Oh, right. We totally overlooked it. Um, sorry, mate. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. Um, Judy Matheson, who... Um, oh, lovely yeah, Judy. Lovely Judy. Known her a long time. Yep, yeah, the last Mutoy to ever speak in Blake 7. She was there. Um, Jenny Twig was making her um, 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 uh, Blake she? 7 convention uh, debut. She played um, Lorena in Star 1. You know, the only human left on oh, Star right, 1. Yes. Who doesn't well, realise... She's got a big part in that. Yeah. She's got a very big part. And, and we're doing an episode on her. She oh. she she is uh, upcoming. Um, um, so that was really good. I thought, oh, blimey, this is a good opportunity. Yeah, there's a chance here, you thought. Yeah. So they're all up on stage. Uh, we have the photo opportunity. Then we have the uh, the Q&A and everything. That was really interesting. And um, lots of interesting stuff. Um, Sam Dastor, who played the Caliph in Harvest of Kairos, doesn't remember one second of making that story. To be fair. I don't remember the character. <laughs> He's the Dickensian one in the top hat. With the That's pain... not Harvest of Kairos, then? No, not Is Harvest it? of Kairos. What am I talking about? Um, I don't uh, know. Um, the one with the Tharn in it. It's all gone off. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the Dawn of the of Gods. Darkness. That's it. Dawn yeah. of the Gods. Sorry. The car park of dragon machines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's gone half past eight. I was thinking Caliph. Caliph. I remember a giant ant. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so- no, he wasn't the ant. He was the caliph. Yeah, yeah. Dawn of the Gods. Yes. The g- oh, right. The, oh, okay. The yeah. Dickensian guy. Yeah. Yeah. Good, ca- good, uh, good, good character. Good character. I like but it. he doesn't remember anything about making I, that. I'm not surprised, really. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was turn up, film your shots, move on, yeah. wasn't it? Did you tell him that he's, he's missing a trick there? Because if he just makes a load of old shit, he could do the convention circuit for months. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I didn't speak to him afterwards oh. during the autograph thing because because he was a late addition, you had to buy another, uh, like, a £10 oh, autograph right. thing, right? But I'd run my money had run out, so I had to... <sighs> Rather uncomfortably walk past him. <laughs> that's that's the walk of shame. It was it? the walk a, of shame. A row of guests, and, and you, you go. Uh, oh, can, oh, you no. can you sign this? Can you sign this? No, you won't. Mate. Don't want can you. you sign this. Yeah, that's totally that's what it felt like. It was very embarrassing. My um, my my, I got a little story like that um, just to embarrass Anne. So we used to help run the registration tables at the Cult TVs, and um, one year. Um, Michael Hurst was there. He used to be Eolus in Hercules and Xena. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was going past the desk, like, on a Saturday or whatever. And I said, oh, Mr. Hurst, can I get a photo with you? So he goes, yeah, no problem. So Anne gets a camera out, takes a photo. You know, I'm a couple of shots of me, Anne, round his shoulder. I'm all like And then he, uh, he says to Anne, he goes, would you like a photo with me? And Anne went, good God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anyone's face drop. <laughs> She was she didn't mean to be rude. She just doesn't she can't she's not very good around people, celebrities that she knows. Right. And uh, yeah, but uh, it's brilliant. Right. <laughs> well You can cut all that out. 
No, 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 that's fine. No, no, we'll keep it in. We don't cut anything out apart from toilet breaks and things like that. Yeah. yeah. We leave them in sometimes, don't we? we I, know, I was listening to an episode the other week. and uh, We did. At one point, I say to you, uh, I, I can't go and use the toilet. My bladder's full. You left it in. I did. Yeah. Well done. It was more natural. Was it ver- verisimilitude or whatever they call it? it was something like that. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But no, Too he, much Lucasade, doesn't it? Like. He was very interesting. He said the only memories he's got of Dawn of the Gods was... He went for a, a costume fitting. Yeah. And uh, the uh, dressers said, well, what do you think you should wear? And, uh, and And he goes, well, what am I? And they go, well, <laughs> you, 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 you know, you're the master of the universe. And he goes, uh, a top hat? <laughs> See, this, suddenly, this cast, this is brilliant. This casts a whole new light on when we're going... Who, why would anyone choose this costume? If they left it up to the, to actor, the actors, <laughs> that could explain a lot. Yeah, you're master of the universe. What are you mm. going to wear? A top hat. <laughs> yeah. And what's weird, I found out the other day, so you you know that at the time the BBC used to do the location filming first before they did it. I was watching um, a, a documentary about the making of John Pertwee Doctor Who, and when they did the location filming, that was before any rehearsals or script read-throughs. So that so when they turned up on location, it was the first time the actors had met the other cast, had seen the script in full. It, it's just that's weird madness. Way to work. Yeah, that's madness. Blimey! And I, this explains why in some some series you get where like people who have one accent on film and another accent in the studio, or they'll be playing it one way on film. And it's because they they uh, when they do it on the film bits, they have no idea what the story is or Blimey. you know what what most of it's about. That is really weird, isn't it? It's so so prehistoric, isn't it? Right. It's weird. Yeah. So that's that. An hour, very enjoyable hour. You know, a conversation led by Ian, but then lots of questions uh, from the audience and and stuff. That was really good. Um, Next thing after that, butterfly in my stomach time. It was the photo op with uh, um, um, Brian, 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 and Michael Keating. And yes, when I got there, I bought a ticket. You have to buy a ticket, you know, whether you want a a a solo shot or a group shot. And uh, yeah, the next group shot was Travis Mark II and Villa, and I had to go for that. I had to go for that. Yeah. Now, I met Michael Keating last year. You know, he was a really nice guy. But I think the Maximum Power event is is, is very laid back. And when, yes. when it's laid back, you're laid back. The guests are laid back. And that reflects on the whole feel to the thing, yeah? Yeah, very friendly, very yeah. relaxed. So yesterday, though, is, is far more uh, regimented. You know, and yep. it was still very friendly and everything, but you know, so to get up on stage and um, you know, in front of everybody and have your photo taken, Michael Keating, no problem. I've met Michael Keating. Yep. He did the introduction for our um, you know, podcast and yes, everything that's like. True, yeah, nice guy. But Travis Mark too, you know, <laughs> um. In front of people. So I, I went along there and it's like, hello, chaps. And I stood amongst them, uh, between them. And uh, it was, yeah, no, it went all right. Although if you look you at the photo of me. You do look very pale, yeah. I do look very pale. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was tired. and um, But yeah. uh, but I, 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 en- I envy you. I would have loved to have met it, Graham. It, it, it was all of a sudden, 
it was the teenage me. That's the teenage yeah. me looking out of my face there, you know, with, you know, Travis Mark II on my right and Villa yeah. on my left. Because you know? that's it, it? You're not meeting the actors. You're meeting the childhood heroes. Exactly. Childhood. Exactly. Yeah. Brian Croucher now doesn't look an awful lot like no. Travis no. season two. But that is still Travis, and the voice yep. is still the same, you know. So I am in awe, you know. But uh, I got through it. I got the photo, so that was good. Um, and then it was autograph time again, because, you know, the, 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 the last group that were on the stage joined, you know, uh, Michael and Brian. Yeah. So you had a long line of tables, which you, you know, progressed along. You know, okay, yes. you got your autograph from one move on to the next one okay unfortunately embarrassingly i didn't have the money for sam dastor so <laughs> i had to jump over to him uh, past him okay so the first person i encountered was gillian bailey he was kind of standing behind the camera going like this and yet I was, you had to copy it sort of because i was kind of going why am i doing it you know because when i'm acting that's fine or when i was doing a number but it was just yeah. You know, it does, yeah. And look, to me, I look very self-conscious, but anyway. It was just one of those shows that's just appeared on TV oh, one morning. You didn't know any backstory. It was bizarre little thing, wasn't it? Yeah, you know? it was. And it was really funny because it was co-funded by America. All our clothes were American, which was really exciting. That's why you got the kerchief and everything, yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yes. right? And in 19... Well, you wanted my piece of plate, In 1970... Yeah, it was 19... 70, there was no, you know, there weren't clothes for kids yeah. there. Right. Um, so I was really excited because there were kids, you know, like lovely trainers and, yeah. and there was a suede jacket. And I just, so you think you're looking so cool? Oh, I couldn't wait. So I was used to get there first and the boys would go, oh, I'm going to have a, well, I was in there getting out, everything going, this is Billy. Oh, this is very good. Yeah. And then a few years later, you're on Blake 7 in a tabard. I know. And hush oh, puppies. That, that, yeah, those shoes were really weird. I was listening to it, but somebody tried to creep out of the city. You listen to the shoe fall on those boots. <laughs> then she's clomping through. You know, I go, well, that's not very quiet. You had a good death, I must say. Thank you. That explosion. Did they rig you up? Did you have like a metal they plate did. under it? They did. But we were talking about that earlier, someone, because they did. We did it a couple of times, and they didn't give me enough protection. Oh. I had little birds. Oh, really? You, you suffer for your art, don't you? Yeah. No, you'd sue them. Uh, Good to see you. There you go. When I was doing the podcast and I was researching all the characters, yeah. I hadn't made the connection, because you are so indelibly in my mind as Billy, and it's like, no, Ravella can't be Billy. <laughs> Because I found that on IMDb, and it's like, no way, and it's yeah. like, it is. Yeah, it's the only time you find Billy in a frock, is on Ravella. Right, okay, good point, good point. Anyway, great meeting you. Nice meeting you as well. Cheers, Billy. And as I say, I've, I'm, I'm putting in audio clips. Um, Gillian Bailey, I mainly talked about double-deckers to her yep. you know and nice, sweet and she she was lovely and the thing about Gillian Bailey is I said to her I never knew that was you in Blake 7 but talking to her in person looking into her eyes that's Billy from Double Deckers you know <laughs> you know even though we're talking God knows, you know, 50 years it's ago. Be 50 years, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she was really funny. She was very nice. She was very, uh, f um, just very bubbly and that, you know, yep. 
great fun and I really really enjoyed talking to her each one of these and again this is the problem you know with maximum power you could take your time or you're bumping yeah. to someone as you're going to the out to buy some chips or something like this here you're very conscious of the fact you've got a line of people behind you you know yeah and it would be nice could you, to could spend you take more photos at the no uh, you weren't allowed to take photos at the table all the photo opportunities were the ones that you had to pay for yeah. again a, a bit of a difference from maximum power um but it was very nice to see her she had never done a blake seven convention before um she said when she was up on the stage you know she's had emails from people you know saying oh you're in blake seven oh you're in double deckers and she actually now uh is a professor she teaches and um she's like what do you want to know about this for and yeah. and, and she... ask me about my theories exactly but she like many many of the actors now are, are realizing the that the, the yep. uh there's many in them that are memories <laughs> Not just that, but you know, there is genuine fondness no, there is, and, and, yeah, and love for yeah. the things that they did, which maybe for a certain amount of their times they dismissed. Oh, that's just a bit of fluff I did when I was, you know, fifteen you, or something like that. Can you imagine someone coming up to you and and, and saying, "I remember when you projected two thousand and one on the screen," at, and asking you about that? It's it must be a weird life for them. I remember if they've moved on to other careers. You know. Yeah, I remember Martin Bauer saying about you know yeah. someone coming up to me and saying you know what bit of tank did you use on this bit of the spaceship yeah. is like saying to a plumber you know what size washer did you use on this tap that you fitted in 1978 yeah. you know you don't think about it you don't store quarter that information inch fiber mate yeah quarter <laughs> inch fiber so yeah that was Gillian and then after Gillian it was uh, old, old Judy oh, yes, look at you what are you doing there fancy um, meeting you here thank you now, who is my, who's my idol? Gordon Ramsay. Uh, Gordon Ramsay. She said politician. Uh, Gordon Bennett. Uh, not Gordon Bennett. Go to the line, Eric. Oh, she's fine. She's a teenager now. She's in grammar school. No, I know. Yeah. So yeah, fancy meeting you here. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, it was a few years ago, wasn't it? I said you should do the Blake Seven convention. Yeah. Do you remember? And it's like, well, I don't know, we I don't know. Yeah. 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 Or Westminster? It was that. Yeah. No, it's Camden with my daughter. Yeah, Camden and also in that funny hall. That they yes, yeah. I, that again. I, but I said know. to you, you should do the Blake 7 circuit and go down the store. I think I was the first person to say that, yeah. I think I was the first person to realise you were the last speaking new toy yeah, as well. Yeah, you told me all the info when I didn't know. Because I do a podcast, you see, on, on the guest characters and looking into it, it's like, hang on, I don't think there's another new toy after that. That's the one, I'm sure you told me I was the one that spoke more than any other. Yeah, you're the two things. No, there's a guy called, a girl called Caroline Roy. She was in duel with Stevie yeah. Bright. Carol. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in an episode called Duel. Yeah. She, your second most chattiest. All right. Close. I'm going to forget about Carol. All right. Much as I admire. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, good to see you, Judy. I know you're looking really well. Thanks Say very hi much. to your daughter. You bought your book after camp, and I seem to remember. Didn't you remember? For being a good girl. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Well remembered. Thank you very much, Judy. Nice to see you. Bye bye. Lovely Judy. Did she remember you? Say hello. She, um, that's what I love about Judy. She does. And she goes, oh, mm. Eric, you'll hear it in the audio clip, you know. And um, I've known Judy for quite a few years now, you know, from going to the film conventions and stuff yes. in London. Yeah. And um, it was actually, it was this podcast don't want to brag at all or anything but when we were doing the podcast very early days podcast when we were doing mutoids when would that yeah, have been that would have been like less than episode was that our 10 first special it might have been our first special yeah. and when i started looking into it and charting where the mutoids are and yeah, blah, yeah it occurred to me that judy is actually the last mutoid ever to speak in the show right and it it was a while after that shortly after that i went to a convention and i said to her about did you know because she obviously she she's quite dismissive of the outfit she had to wear and the 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 dialogue that she spoke i said did you know that you're the last ever mutoid to speak in blake seven she goes am i is this true and i was like yeah she said is that a well-known fact and i said well I've never seen it written anywhere, but you certainly are. And she's like, oh. And I said to her, well, have you ever thought about going to a Blake 7 convention? She said, well, no, not really. And I said, well, you should do, because, you know, um, Blake 7 fans are very enthusiastic. They're very knowledgeable. And if suddenly a new, you know, guest character joins in, you know, uh, there is suddenly somebody new to talk to. You know, I said, I think you'd go down a storm. So... That, that that's kind of weird to actually have seen her yesterday after having that conversation yeah. two or three years ago. But yeah, I mean, she even remembers the last time I saw her. Now I have my daughter with her, with me and everything. And she was asking how she's getting on and everything. So that was lovely. Oh, that's nice. Nice for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, no, no, Judy's fantastic. She really is. All right. So after Judy, I had Ian Cullen. Hello, Ian. Hello. You all right? Have we met? We have. No. No, never. No. But I'm so handsome, you automatically think of, you know, great Hollywood, Hollywood stars. That's what it is. Yes. 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 Can I just say, not many people can pull off wearing a balaclava and look cool in a TV show. But you, <laughs> you, you did it with a plum, sir. So, oh, uh, yes. <laughs> funny old place. A funny thing it was, yes. Yes. Anywhere you like. Anywhere sir. I like. Yeah. Well done. We were just, I do a Blake 7 podcast and we were just talking about that episode when you were in yeah. there and uh, we were praising you quite a bit about, you know, you can, act, actor-wise, you were holding your own against Stephen Bright yeah. and we were saying how good you were, even though it was a very small role, yeah. it's a very me- memorable role and I don't know if you know about, you know, you're rather infamous for feeding Stephen Bright that line saying about, you know, a rough analogy is the build-up yes. of static and he says, I'm always grateful for a rough analogy. <laughs> That's a rather infamous line, and Who you, is it? you fed him it. Yes, <laughs> in Blake Seven fandom, yeah, that's one of the most quotable of uh, the yeah. Are you coming to Vancouver? <laughs> nice to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. Good to it. Thank you very much. Love with your blog. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good old Ian Cullen. He was in um, the Aztecs, William Hartnell story, wasn't he? I don't. He was Ixta. Ixta, I think something like that. <laughs> if someone you... will correct me, I don't know. If you say so. Yeah, um, I could say anything, couldn't I? You could. He played Pyon Pyon in episode five. <laughs> mm. 
Um, he came out with an anecdote on the uh, when he was up on the stage. I don't know if this yep. is like famous anecdote because um, I'm not as knowledgeable as who as you. Um, but he was talking about his time on Doctor Who because somebody in the audience was asking about the Aztecs and stuff. Yes. And he said about how when he made the Aztecs, the cameras were so big and so yep. heavy. Uh, he had a death scene, apparently. He dies, he falls off the pyramid, and he, yep. he's dead. You can see the side of the set, yeah. Yeah, he said they couldn't get the cameras up to point down at him because they no. were too heavy. So he had to stand against a wall. They painted the wall to look like the floor of the of the uh of, of the of the ground, and he just yep. stood against it, sprawled, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. Does uh, did you know yeah, that one? It, Is that a new? Uh, I, no, I knew I knew that one. All oh, um, right. Yeah, back back then the cameras were they they weighed a, a hideous amount and they had multiple cables running from them. So when they did the camera uh, script, which was basically not for the actors or anything, it was how the cameramen should move so as not to run over each other's cables. And they had fixed lenses, so they, they didn't have adjustable lenses. You had three lenses, um, and you had to reposition it so if you wanted to change from a, a medium to a long shot you had to cut to a different camera get the guy on the front to ratchet this yeah. lens round, then cut back um, and the cameras couldn't tilt so you couldn't point up couldn't point down um, so whenever they wanted like an arty shot from above they would have to shoot into mirrors into mirrors into mirrors to get the shot they want which is why the quality is awful on if whenever you see like a an arty shot. Yeah, it's it's a miracle these things were ever made. Mm, mm. But no, he was lovely. He he, he was yeah, really, I, I, really I've nice seen guy. um I've seen some uh like uh, interviews with him on I won't going to say on telly, but it'll be on DVDs, like they show this stuff on telly anymore. Um on DVDs and he he comes across as a really nice fella. Yeah. I said to him, I mean you would have just heard mm. this when you hear this back. I, yeah. I I would have played the clip, but I said about how, you know, you feed Stephen Greif the line about a rough analogy. You know, yeah. and then Stevens come back. I'm always, yeah, you know, grateful for yes. a rough analogy, and he th- he found that quite funny. So uh, that was good, job done. I suppose it, what's weird as well is we we remember these classic lines because we've watched them endlessly, and they we become a favourite line, and you you watch that for these. It was probably just one take. Yeah, he's not going to remember that line. Well, like Sam Dastor, yeah. you know, the Caliph, he doesn't yeah. remember any of it. So if a, if a no. Blake Seven fan comes up with him. Uh, comes up to him and, and says a line of his, he's going to go, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, a cu- couple of things uh, to sort of illustrate that. I remember Peter Miles at one of the Doctor Who conventions where someone asked him if he could do the uh, the famous Nida line. I can't even remember the Nida line myself, but something like, thank you. And, it, you know, and he couldn't do it because he couldn't remember it. It's like, what line? Hmm. And um, my brother went to see uh, Richard Todd in one of his last sort of public appearances. And he wanted him to sign his uh, paratroopers helmet because he was in um, the longest day, uh, and he played the guy that goes and uh, uh, takes Pegasus Bridge. And he was there actually on D-Day. Uh, you know, Richard Todd was actually there. Um, and he has this famous line that's repeated throughout the film of of something like "hold, hold until relieved, hold until relieved," and he keeps saying it through the film. And he went to Richard Todd and he said, can you put hold until relieved on this helmet? And he goes, why? He goes, because well, you said it in this film. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you, and yeah, it's absolutely no no memory of doing it. And then when you watch the film, you think, yeah, he probably said it once and that's just looped. Yes. <laughs> it's the same yeah, line yeah, yeah, over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bless him. Yeah, no. So he was great. 
Um, I'd have liked to have met Ian Cullen, actually. Well, maximum power. If there yeah. is one next year, it will be really good. If if yeah, if pull those, your finger out, guys, come on. Yeah, if those guy, if those guests go to maximum power yeah. next year, oh, it'd be brilliant. Oh. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and then after that, another reason for oh, these guests have got to reappear. Uh, the lovely Jenny Twig. Okay, now yeah. Jenny Twig played Lorena in uh, Star One. Yes. Right. Um, I'm going to hold off on playing a clip. Of, of Lorena because I'm going to hold that for the Star One. for the Star One clip to do with her. But this yeah. was her first ever convention. It was her first ever Blake Seven convention, and she mm. was, I think, quite taken aback by you know uh, the attention she got. Yeah, but she was brilliant. Um, she was effervescent. She was outgoing. She was. Friendly, she was enthusiastic. Any positive adjective you can think of, she was brilliant on stage, and she was brilliant behind the table. And she was just a natural. She was just a Ooh. natural convention guest. Okay, you sound like a smitten kitten. I was smitten. I don't know. I, I mean, I only know her from Blake Seven. Yeah, I know I she know played. Well, they say because you, you know. Blake Seven, when it came out, I was in my late teens. So anything after that, I'm in my 20s and attention's gone elsewhere. But she was in Grange Hill, apparently. She oh, played Zamo's mum in Grange yeah, Hill. I don't I barely re remember Zamo. I vaguely fair. remember the name Zamo. Yeah. And then she was in uh, Biker Grove afterwards. Oh, right. Never used to watch that. See, I don't know. But and Dickman. That's the ones, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, she was lovely, she was chatty. As I say, I'll save the clip for, um, you know, oh, her episode. Hearing. And um, and I said to her, you know, you, sh you should do more of these conventions. You're a natural, you know, You've, uh, yeah. you're, you're friendly, you're, you're approachable, you know, you're funny. You know, you should do more of these. And I hope she does. I really do hope she does. Okay? Right, so after that... Uh, we had Michael Keating, okay. Lovely, lovely Michael Keating. Now it's a bit weird now <laughs> in my life that you know I, I've seen into him so often. So often, <laughs> go back ten years and you say you're going to meet Michael Keaton, and and my mind would melt, you know. And so it's like, all right, Michael, how are you doing? Blah blah blah. <laughs> like this, you know, and it was all very matter of fact, you know, uh, which was kind of odd because. Yeah. The, the the next person along the table, the last table, was the Titan that <laughs> that was Brian Croucher. <laughs> uh, big Mad Brian. Big Matt, very aptly put. Big Mad yeah. Brian. Now, um, <clears throat> how do I put this? Um, he was pissed. Yes. <laughs> when I had my photo studio thing with him, yeah, vodka was the yeah. uh, uh, drink of choice. Uh, when I reached him at the end of all the tables, it was white wine. I don't know if it was <laughs> laced with something else. But you've heard the audio clip, haven't you? Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not going to play the audio clip well, here. You could, but you'd have to censor it. There'd be a lot of beats. Uh, as I said to you, we've yeah. lost our PG rating. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm holding this back for the Travis Mark II special because, yes, um, me and Brian, we had a bit of a 
chat, <laughs> mostly on Ian's behalf because Ian wasn't there. So um, um, yeah, Eric kindly let me ask two questions. Yes, and ask for a photo. I dared yeah. do that, you know. But he was lovely, and um, yes, I very enjoyable. I I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. Um, I I like celebrities who don't take it seriously have a laugh yeah. because then if they're not taking it seriously you don't take it seriously they're having yeah. a laugh you have a laugh you're feeding them they're feeding you and it becomes yeah. it's a, a, it's a, a good yeah, yeah it's a back and forth it's, thing isn't it yeah. you know it's very um, much um can you imagine because like we when we met uh stephen greif who was amazing mm. but so so reserved precise yeah. classy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have Brian Croucher go, yeah. who let him in? To me, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Greif would never have said that. No. You know, so it, it was great. So that's a, a bit of a teaser for you folks. Yes, um, it's worth it's worth waiting for. Wait, it's worth yeah. waiting for because uh, that made the day. You know, it was a very long yeah. day. It was a very hot day. Didn't have much to eat. Didn't have much to drink. You know, I was flagging, but. Meeting Brian, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, well, I, I plan, I plan to try and meet him at some point before one of us dies. If he so. if he goes to maximum power, yeah. oh god, next year, you and I have got to do like a. Do you know what? A double if, assault. If they, yeah. If they announce him, I will make that Travis outfit. Do you know what I might do? Yeah. No, I'll be Chavan yeah. and you be Travis. Yeah. All right. <laughs> He was fabulous. He 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 really was, yeah, and um, he's brilliant. I don't know how much the alcohol had to do with it, but um, yeah, no. I just wish somebody had filmed it because we've got the audio <laughs> that you've heard. The listener will hear it later on. Um, but if you had seen the video of it as well, you know, <laughs> um, yes. So that was that. That was the autograph session over. Um, on the actual uh, listing for the day, it said, you know, between, you, you know, 4.30 and 5.30, you, you, you know, Michael Keating, Brian Croucher. Didn't realise at the time it was actually going to be a live audio commentary of Horizon. That's amazing. That amazing. And it's like, no way. And yeah. um, so off it went. I can't comment on some of the things brian was saying because i might be able to say it to you in private but uh yeah yeah, not something that goes out um you you know into the public domain um but it was hugely enjoyable the only disappointment was i did a couple of videos of it one of them i'm going to put on the facebook page of uh the overacting eyeball Okay, <laughs> because at that point, Brian is talking about his costume. He sort of kind of like touches yeah. on the things he did in the uh, clip that I've got yeah. of him. But I was a bit disappointed when it got to the the word bit, because, of course, I had to film that. But yeah. for some reason, my phone didn't tilt the uh, image round after I recorded it. So it's tilted the wrong way. All right. Oh, right. So instead oh, yeah, of being I, yeah. instead of being, I mean, if you send me the file, I can change. You can. The, oh, well, yeah. well, that would be good. But nobody talks over it. That whole bit, they let it play out. Oh. Okay. And there's yeah. no. It's because it's so good. It is so good, and I think, yeah, I think the audience 
were watching it so much yeah. I was half expecting a Rocky Horror picture show thing where yeah. people would start going the word the word but everyone just stopped <laughs> and yeah. just watched it including you know Ian and Michael and Brian you know it's I mean all joking aside it's it's an amazing bit of acting by uh, you know Brian Croucher and Michael Keaton. That's it's, why the the, the episode yeah. was shown. You know, and yeah. but I tell you the thing: the thing about watching um, Blake Seven on a big screen, and it will be on the Facebook page, so you can see what I mean. Is we've discussed, you know, just recently with Ashton all these scenes, but when you actually watch it on a big screen, some of the things are more apparent than they are watching it. Oh, I've got a 50-inch TV, and I didn't notice just how much the 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 uh, controls wobble when you press a button. Really? Yeah, they really do wobble. Some of the mutoids in the pursuit ships, when they're pressing the thing, the actual insert of the controls is actually falling away. And so you're you're not selling this on a big screen to me. Normally no, people will go. The picture was amazing. No, it's Detail, not. No, not, no, it looked like crap. When Avon presses a button to say, yeah. you know, force wall activated, you can quite yeah. clearly see there's three or four of the buttons are all skew whiff because somebody's yeah. lent against it. You know, but they were never meant to be watched on the big screen. Absolutely they? They not. Absolutely not. Little tellers. Yep, yeah. yep, 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 yep. So that was good, and that's the way the um, um, convention finished. Um, Sounds fun. Yeah, there was one more thing for us to do, um, um, which was um, N- Natalia um, back in at Maximum Power had never given us a, um, oh, a right, Gimme yes, 5, yeah. right? So I think it's about this point I'm going to put in the uh, Gimme 5 from her. Interesting. Hmm. Um, I'm here with Siobhan. Hello, Siobhan. Hello, brother. There we are, see? I am with Siobhan. But you also go under the name of what? Natalia. Natalia, right. And you're our listener, aren't you? Yes. I think you're the um, yeah, you're the first international listener I've ever spoken to. Ah, uh, maybe. Uh... Yes, I think so. I mean, we've got international listeners, mm-hmm. you know, like Megan in Australia, but you're the first one we've, I've ever actually met maybe. face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from the uh, United States. Uh-huh. Originally from Russia, but from the United States. Right, right. And, and did you find out about Blake 7 when you were in the States or when you came back to the UK? Or... I, find, uh, I found it out uh, a year ago from my Russian online friends. Oh, right. You, yes. So you've only been a fan a year? Uh, for, for one year and a half. You've yes. got a whole Shivan outfit and yet you've only been a fan for a year. That yes. puts us lot that have been fans for 40 years, who are fans and haven't made a costume, that puts us totally to shame. That does, a bit, don't you think? Uh, I think, uh, first of all, I loved Shivan. I, I love that episode, I, I can explain why, because uh, I thought it was a, a very vicious, cynical parody of mm-hmm. revolutional, revolutional movement. It wasn't too subtle, really, with the names and stuff, was it? (laughs) Yeah, it was a satire. I I thought about it as a Monty Python's Life of Brian. Mm, Or Holy Grail, something like that. Help, help, I'm being repressed. (laughs) Yes, Uh, that's how I took it, because uh, being from Russia, I'm very skeptical about how revolutions come Mm -hmm. about. And that that episode was really... That's okay. Yeah, Uh, that episode uh, was really about that, I thought. 
And I thought the Shivan was brilliant uh, in cynical um, parody. Yeah, he was doing it. It's the, the show organisers just being loud while we're recording. Sorry. How dare you. Go yes, on. you should have been here. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to say that, and then you appeared, Ian. That was uncanny. <laughs> Yeah, Off you go. it's an atmosphere. Like yes, it's it's yeah, a part yeah. of, of the. Yeah, this is in keeping with our podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I love the I, I love the character of Shivan. I thought he was hilarious, and I thought Brian Croucher was hilarious. I loved how he pronounced things with a weird accent, mm-hmm. and I think after I had a bit a bit of uh, rub in my mouth, that's how it came comes out yeah. naturally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Can't yeah, really yeah. say much in that one in that getup, and uh, the getup was actually very cheap. Because I thought it's kind of a crap aesthetics. Yeah. And so it was just a piece of uh, um, the lead from the plastic uh, jar. Yes. And uh, the socks from my sun drawer. Right. Yeah, white socks on my, my hands. Then there was a, a sheet. Right, it's just a green sheet. Just green sheet. I, I cut it whole uh, That's it. See you guys. See you next time. Uh, I'll give a big hug to people. Like, <laughs> See you, Andy. You're on the podcast. We're recording at the moment. Yeah. So, yes, that so hug you is on the podcast. This hug to all the listeners and, and mm-hmm. Ian. I know you're going to be a part of this when you get there. You missed out, mate. Sorry. Yeah, you did. Absolutely. Yeah. There were hugs to be had and you weren't here. And he missed out. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time, Andy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hopefully, yeah, next time. Okay, and so and the rest was just a bit of bandages I bought at right. CVS. What about pharmacy. the neck brace? Was that just a piece I, of foam that it, you made, or no, is it an I bought it one? at CVS pharmacy. So right. I, basically, I went to pharmacy. I bought the neck brace for like twelve dollars and right. uh, uh, two bandages. Right. And uh, I also used my old uh, old hat, which made the shape. Right. Which right. was easier to take uh, off and put it back on. Right. Oh, and I used the tennis ball. Ping I, pong I was going to say, was that ping a ping pong ball for the eyeball? It was a ping pong ball. Ping pong ball. So it's, it was very cheap and I, I thought it was the idea because it was but really crap. crap yeah, yeah, but this yeah. is the thing with mm-hmm. when you recreate BBC special effects, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you make it cheap because it was cheap. You exactly, know, if you try making idea. a yeah. sophisticated Star Wars replica yeah. where they've got mm-hmm. thousands, hundreds of mm-hmm. thousands to make yeah. a gun or something. No, they went down to Woolworths and they got a toy gun That's what and they stuck to. something on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's brilliant. I, I, I love your costume. Like I said to you <laughs> yeah. earlier, I was thinking about doing one. Mm-hmm. Please do. Yeah. I think I might still do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The only part of it which I'm not happy about, I was surprised how difficult it is to buy the dark green sheet. Right, right. That's, that was the darkest I could, could get. But that, 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 that was fine. That yeah, was fine. it was still a bit, bit too, too light. Yeah, I, I must say, if folk will know what we're talking about, because mm-hmm. we've had a photo taken earlier with Ruth, yeah. and I'll mm-hmm. put that on the Facebook page okay. when That's this great. episode comes out. Right, so yeah. we'll just wait for these people to go past. Oh no, they're going the other way. Right, are you ready for your top five? Yeah, sure. Well, give me five, not top five. Right, okay. so, mm-hmm. uh, your favorite major character? Avon. Why am no. I not surprised? Yes. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. Uh-huh. The thing about him is, um, oh, bye See you, buddy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Could be for different people, uh, he speaks in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, he's just an ultimate tragic uh, anti-hero. Yeah. Like of epic proportions. It's like mythical hero, which uh, screws up so badly, like everything he touches. And uh, he suffers because of it. He tries to, to be cool. He tries to... 
to to play by uh, to beat the system, but he fails in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because he has a tragic flaw in, in this character, it's just a very interesting and complex character. He says one thing, he thinks another thing, he means a third thing, and yeah. he does something totally yeah. different, and it, it all just, uh, yeah. It's a fascinating it's character progression, because you uh -huh. see him in yeah. season one, mm -hmm. and then you see how the character changes and develops all the way up until the very mm -hmm. last episode. The Avon we see in Blake is not the Avon we see in Spaceball. Exactly, same as Blake. Blake mm. changes. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. also interesting, but it's beside the point, but he was just an amazing complex, compelling character which just greets you, breaks your heart and everything, the mm. whole package. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And I, I just read the uh, the first time I'm reading the Bujold, uh, how do you pronounce Louis McMaster Bujold Vorkhoisigan saga? I don't know you what don't you're know. talking okay. about. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> she was inspired by Avon too and oh, she right. put him into one of her books as Duv Galeni uh, in Brothers and Arms. So oh, if you're right. curious, check it out. Yeah. Alright, I'll put she a link. I'll try and find it. Yeah. Link. She's a huge sci-fi icon. Okay, all right. Okay. So that's your favorite major character. What's your favorite guest character? Uh -huh. I thought about it because Carnell was actually a brilliant answer by... You're copying Ruth. I'm not copying. I thought about it a bit more and Agrarian is my pick because I think he was the most impactful guest character in one of the most impactful episodes of the show. Mm -hmm. And he's, uh, he served like a mirror to Avon. Right. So Avon looked at him and he recoiled, but, but that's what is what about. I think he was fantastic, Agrarian. He was like gripping and scary and funny and creepy. He, he all was the cre same. creepy is the word. It was just all out, yeah, mm. wonderful. I felt so sorry for Pinda. Can you imagine living with Agrarian? Oh no, <laughs> poor, poor Pinda. I feel so poor sorry Pinder. for Pinda. Yes. yes, and he was, uh, I mean, he, he bad for both sides. He yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, creepy. It was just, and he played it all so brilliantly. Oh, no, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, brilliant for me. <laughs> all right, so that's the first two. Third one, it's been a very long day and I'm getting tired. Um, Favourite episode? Star One. Star One. Right. I think it's a pinnacle of the show and the pinnacle of all the characters in the show. Okay. And it's very hopeful. Mm. Yeah. You say pinnacle. Do you think they should have stopped? No. Then? I think they could have. Everyone would be much happier. I mean, it's it, it's all downhill for for the characters. They they become their descent into mm -hmm. their tragic journey. So it it, it 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 has to end with Blake. I mean, that that is the amazing ending. It's so tragic, but Star One is the most hopeful. If they stop mm. there, it will be the show will be thought about as an optimistic. It, yes. It's very hopeful. Yes. yes. See, that's why I like that. If mm -hmm. they had stopped yeah. there, because then you just make up the stories in your yeah. head as to what happened next. And maybe I, they will be much happier. Yeah, I, I like am, uh, ambiguous endings. You mm -hmm. know, to just to, I think they would never have done it, but just to have finished like that, and then yeah. you decide what happened, what was this battle gonna be like? Did mm -hmm. the Liberator survive it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it, yeah. It yeah. actually was the best uh, thing for a Liberator, if, for, Liber for Liberator to go out as a, in a blaze of glory mm. during that battle, mm. was so much better ending than anonymous falling just, apart. Uh, yeah. running around the galaxy with no aim, and yeah. then just falling and apart. And then just falling apart. Because yeah. they had no use for it after yeah. that. Yeah, it, 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 it didn't deserve best. an end like that, did it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
it didn't but it it was um, it was part of the same journey yeah, sure, it made sense sure. okay. yeah, the, all right well yeah. star one's your top what's your bottom of the barrel what's your worst episode i was tempted with keeper because of how neat it is like keeper goes before star one mm-hmm. it's absolute crap but the other one which is crap and also offensive and unpleasant this is animals this is animals it's awful everything in it yes they, which is the we have said, Ian has said many yeah, times, you know, that in some of the weaker episodes, mm-hmm. there are nuggets of good things in it, yeah. which you can watch and you just wait for that. But it's just across the board crap. There is like <laughs> maybe 20 seconds of good stuff in this episode. It's Ava yeah, slipping on a piece of paper. It's him kicking the chair and slipping. Yes, that's good. <laughs> and then they uh, brief talk with Villa in the ballast tanks. Yeah. Again, Avon and Villa. A yeah. Tiny yeah. interaction, 15 seconds, but it was good. But you're not going to watch a 50-minute show for 20 no. seconds, are you? No. You, no. you just cut the GIFs out of them. Yes. GIFs or GIFs, whatever yeah. you want to call Make a GIF out of it and, and forget just, the rest. Uh, Absolutely. And look at the GIF. Absolutely. And, and skip yeah. the episode, yes. All right, so that's your worst. Last question. Do you think the show should come back? And in what form do you think it should come back? First of all, the show needs to, just as is, go on some streaming on, on TV. Yeah, so agreed. that's the main thing. If, if that could be accomplished, I know even that is extremely difficult to just get it run somewhere on mm. some platform. That is number one. And uh, I don't mind the reboot. If somebody comes up with a great idea for a reboot, it will just bring, bring in new fans. Mm. Yeah. Because Star Wars reboot brought in new fans who want to watch the trilogy. Star well, it happened with Battlestar Galactica, didn't it? Yeah. The new Star Trek yeah, films, so, yeah, yeah. So I think it would be a great thing for the show if that happened. Mm. Yeah, but the first thing, they at least should get it on the air somehow. Yeah. Even that is not happening. So. It's not, is it? Yeah. It's just nowhere. And yeah. the, the BBC say, it's oh yeah, it's out on DVD. Yeah. Well, that's not enough, and especially as you can't get the DVDs in America. D- yes, you buy DVDs after you get uh, become a fan of the show. So yes. first thing you watch show on some platform, and if you become really engrossed in the show, then maybe you go and buy the DVD. Yeah. You don't buy the DVD to watch the show for the first time. How are you ever going to see it? Yeah. Not, it yeah, doesn't yeah, work yeah. like that, no, so yeah. it's not enough. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. As I was just saying, I've got a feeling the BBC haven't got an awful lot of plans, simply the fact that they haven't come down on the YouTube no, they haven't come down there. Yeah. No. And, and if anything they've got released plans for, they would have done it. Yeah. It's, it mm. If anybody posts anything, Doctor Who or anything like that, it's gone straight away. Yeah. And Blake Seven, they just haven't. And it was like last year when I was watching Grange Hill mm. and expecting at some point somebody's going to pull these, mm. and they haven't. And it's no. kind of, the BBC blatantly have no interest in pulling Maybe, the maybe it's some underpants tactic. It seems to be, yeah, anything. They sort of, oh, we can still make money out of this. Yeah. So Blake Seven, I'm, think, I'm not sure if they're mm-hmm. kind of thinking, actually, we don't have any further plans to release this. In so you can do what you like. I mean, there's the 40th anniversary has come and went, and all they did was re-release yeah. the DVDs. No, but there wasn't mean, anything extra, anything it was just new packaging. Exactly. You know, no new extras, no nothing. So, no. It might be a rights issue, because I know, you know, with Big Finish, we, yeah. they can only, you know, do shows... Yeah. Uh, stories based on certain seasons, mm-hmm. oh, so it BBC, might be the Terry Nation. The, the BBC themselves, though, I think, pretty much have the, the TV rights they have, which they've already showed. They've released it in other formats, haven't they? So I think they'd pretty much be clever enough to have the 
They might have to make payments of probably telling mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, it's a case of how much payment. It might be a case of, well, if we did this, we might garner some money, but if like, you know, most of it's going to the Terry Nation estate, mm-hmm. why bother? That do not help us, but yeah. we're not in charge. Unfortunately. Mm. But then there are copyright laws, they expire at some point. Yeah. So maybe if it kept kept alive, it's such a great story. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll it doesn't see. die, it we'll just see. doesn't die. Despite all the attempts. It might come back. Around about the second calendar, there. it might come back. Oh, all right. Maybe. Well, thank you, thank you very much for your answers. You're being recorded. What's your name, sir? Uh, Rob. Rob. Hello, Rob. Oh, yeah. I was just oh, recording sorry, for the podcast. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, we have guest star Rob <laughs> over here, Ruth. He's just. Uh, Started to join in on the conversation. Join in on the conversation. Yeah. Well, well, thank you both for that. That will go on the, the next episode. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, it was interesting, but uh, unfortunately, the uh, the the auditorium was still full, so we couldn't record yeah. in there. So we went out onto the uh, stairwell of the stairs. So there's yeah. quite a bit of an echo on it, and people kept walking past, but. Uh, I managed to get it, so uh, that's something for you to listen to, all right? I'll look forward to that. And that's how it ended. Yeah, Ruth and uh, Natalia, they went off one way. I went off another way. Had my long walk back to Acton Town. Yeah, you you had a little adventure as well after that, though, didn't you? On the train. What, with the football supporters? Yeah. Oh, dear. I tell you what. I mean, I thought, you know, going back at about, you know, you, you know half past six... You'd think it'd be safe, wouldn't you? Yeah, the 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 underground would be quiet. It was. Yeah, the pubs are open. They should be off drinking somewhere. Yeah, it was for a while until the fo- football supporters got on, and it's like, oh bloody hell! And then, um, you know, I got back to St Pancras, found a place where there weren't too many football supporters, got on the train, and then they descended on me. So, <laughs> yeah, what wasn't the best uh, end to the day, but it was a really good day. I did enjoy it, and it was great meeting all those people and um, getting some stuff for the podcast here, you know? How, how would you rate it against Maximum Power? It's probably an unfair thing to say, but because every convention is it, different. It's but. totally unfair. It, yeah. yeah, you can't compare the two. I mean, hmm. yeah, Maximum Power wins. It, yeah. it, 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 well, I was there, so... Because, because yeah, you were there. All right. Bonus, yeah. Full stop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of that. Before we go, though, I've got another shout-out time. Oh, good. I like shout-outs. Yeah, from only two days ago. I, I thought before I would start this, I would just have a look. And yes, somebody two days ago gave us a five-star rating. Oh, excellent. On iTunes. Somebody called Fat Duck 16 Fat Duck 16, fat. the 16th of the Fat Ducks. Well, fat's, um, Fat... Any comments on it? Yeah, Fat is spelt P-H-A-T. Oh, that's the kids, isn't it? The, the Utes of today. It's not a Utes. Wait for this, because they left a comment, <laughs> all right? It's a Blake 7 fan. It's not going to be young person, Of course it's it? not. I'll tell you what, though. Yesterday, there were younger yeah. people. In the really? audience, yeah. Did they did their did their parents rush them out when Brian came on stage? <laughs> no, they just cover their ears up. <laughs> Don't listen to him. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. There there were people who were below twenty five. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, they were with their mums, but you know, yeah. were they carers? <laughs> it might have been that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. It's quite a long um, um, thing here. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. yeah. Not many people say that to me. (laughs) Right. Well, thank Fat Duck 16, all right? 
Right. My favourite tea show... Start again. My favourite TV show is magnificently covered by my favourite podcast. Aww. Right. Here we go. I'm old enough to have watched Blake 7 from its very first airing. So there you go. Nothing unusual about that. Fat is one of us. Okay. Yeah. An old get. Yeah. An old get. I've owned all the VHS and DVD releases and seen every episode, even season four, dozens of times. All right? So one of us still. One of us still. I know the show's every sound, musical beat, and all the dialogue. Well, that's... It's it's you. That's me. It's you, isn't it? That's me. (laughs) I'm schizophrenic, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, All the dialogue by heart, but Eric and Ian have managed to teach me so much about Blake Seven. Just starting my third playthrough of this wonderful podcast. Wow, poor side. We haven't done that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're increasing it week by week. So We are, yeah. So you'll you'll never finish. Well he will. <laughs> eventually, yeah. Well well done, Fat Duck Sixteen. Well done, yeah. yeah. Listen, listening to us three times in a row. Third playthrough of the of the yeah. podcast. Blimey. Make yourself uh, known on Facebook. Yeah, come on to Facebook. Uh he finishes we'll off get you some therapy. Yeah. He or she uh finishes yes, off that's by, true, yes. Yep. Yes. I really can't wait for the next episode. Thank you guys. Long may you continue. Oh, well, isn't that nice. lovely? That's a nice one, that. Well, it's not going to long continue, is it? Yeah. Shh, don't tell him that. <laughs> We've Push got... him off the edge. <laughs> Andy was asking me about this yesterday, you know, just what yep. you're going to do when you finish. And we have got ideas. I mean, we've got ideas of other podcasts. But I'm thinking, you know, um, when episode 100 happens and we bid bye-bye to Blake Seven. It's not the end because we will be coming back for the odd, you, you know, one-off or audio commentary yeah. or whatever we can think about or show report, you know, if Maximum Port, yeah, uh, maximum Power is out again next year. All I can say is to the listener who is enjoying this, um, just stay subscribed to the Facebook page at, or, or iTunes or wherever you listen to it from and uh, you'll know um, as soon as something's released. Yeah. EastEnders in character. EastEnders in character. <laughs> Only if Brian's in it. Brian and Michael. Brian. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was, was he Ian Beals? No, Pete Beals. Something to do with Pete Beals. I don't know. I'll tell you what I didn't dare speak to him about yesterday. And I did what think about it, but the amount of alcohol he had consumed about his career as a tax, uh, taxi driver in Canterbury. Oh, you should have said, because, yeah, you, you said he was a taxi driver. The thing is, he had a rush off at the end because his taxi was well, waiting. <laughs> I thought, well, well, no, this yeah. is the his time ta- to mention it. <laughs> what he meant was his taxi's waiting outside with a punt. He's got he's a fare. He's got to get him to Euston, <laughs> hasn't he? You know? It's south of the river, mate. Not this time of night. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. Bless him. Oh, bless him. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Travis mm. Mark II's episode. Yeah, that's oh, that's going to be an epic. This is quite a long episode, um, yeah. considering um, uh, it's a double biller, really, isn't it? You know, we've it had is, two yeah. subjects. All right. Yeah, it's quite what we are on. God, 145. Jeez. Next week, we're not going to be you so could, long. Next you week, You could have watched Star Wars in this time. You could have. You could have, yes. Next week, we're going back to trial for the very last time. Because um, yes. we're, we're talking fleas next time, aren't we? No, we're talking Trooper Par. No, we're not. Super Trooper. Yeah, I mean, fleas. Next. Actually, I, I, didn't, I didn't hate the character last time I watched it, so perhaps I might like it this time. 
Next week's theme is Fleas Release Me, Let Me Go by Tom oh, Jones. Oh, <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, you've got a week you're, now to think up a flea. Fleas. Yes, yeah. there, there you go. We've got a week now to think up a flea jokes. Yeah, lots of flea jokes. Yes, all right. Yeah. As long as it flees the audience. Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, and thank you very much for tonight. No, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. It's that a bit late for us, isn't it? You know, but it's very late. What is it? It's, it's nine it's o'clock. It's nine on o'clock a on a Monday. All right, well, school night. I, I'll speak. I've to... watched Peaky Blinders, so we're all right. Oh, okay, that's all right then. All right, so I'll speak to you in six days at the usual time. All right. Yes. All right. Brilliant. Cheers, then, Ian. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks, then, Eric. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.